Blog Talk Radio. The black man is no longer going to play the minstrel in the medium of comics and sci-fi fantasy. We're keeping it real. And we're going to get respect by any means necessary. Ah, uh, come on. That's a bunch of horse shit. I know Calrissian was a black guy, you know. You got to fly the Millennium Falcon. What's the matter with you? Who said that? I did. Lando Calrissian is a positive role model in the realm of science fiction fantasy. Fuck Lando Calrissian, Uncle Tom, nigga. Only some white boy got to invoke the Holy Trilogy. Bust this. Those movies are about how the white man keeps the brother man down, even in a galaxy far, far away. Check this shit. You got cracker farm boy Luke Skywalker, Nazi poster boy, blonde hair, blue eyes. And then you got Darth Vader. The blackest brother in the galaxy, Nubian God. What's a Nubian? Shut the fuck up. Now, Vader, he's a spiritual brother, you know, down with the Force and all that good shit. Then there's Cracker, Skywalker. Gets his hands on a lightsaber, and the boy decides he's gonna run the fucking universe. Gets a whole clan wiped together. And they gonna bust up Vader's hood, the Death Star. Now, what the fuck do you call that? Intergalactic Civil War? Gentrification! They gonna drive out the black element to make the galaxy quote-unquote safe for white folks. And Jedi's the most insulting installment because Vader's beautiful black visage is stunning when he pulls off his mask to reveal a feeble, crusty old white man. They trying to tell us that deep inside, we all wants to be white! Well, isn't that true? You're traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro-Nerd Radio. With your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. And introducing West Coast correspondent, Miss Claire Linnae. Mind expansion engaged. folks October 15th 2017 and guess what we're just a few weeks away from Thor Ragnarok and I couldn't be any more excited I'm hearing so many great things about this film 
Marvel is definitely confident about it, and we'll talk about what folks are saying. This is a pre-review, actually. I mean, no one has seen it, but I mean, no one in our crew has seen it, at least to my um, my knowledge. But just the word on the street, the infamous word on the street, is very positive toward Ragnarok. And uh, actually, something else has abated my concerns. You know, um, if anything, I was concerned about the length of the film. I do want to get my money's worth, and I was under the impression that the film was going to be approximately 90 minutes in length. Now we're hearing it's going to be over two hours. So uh, for some reason, a 90-minute short shrift would not have pleased me. Uh, Two hours or more, that sounds pretty good. I think – I forgot the exact minutes, but it's definitely over two hours. Anyway, folks, enough of of my blathering. This is The Grindhouse, if you haven't guessed it, on a Sunday, no less. Tentatively, it's going to be Sunday because the Uncanny Darrow B has a different position. These things happen. He is still very much a component, a chief component of the Afro-nerd machinery. So uh, for the next couple of months, we're going to play it by ear as far as when he will be available. But... uh, Again, tentatively, he will probably, believe it or not, he will be appearing probably on our, on our midweek show as a contributor because of the time scheduling. But rest assured, at some point, the equilibrium, equilibrium why can't I speak? The equilibrium will return and everything will be back to quasi-normal. Anyway, the rest of the cast in this saga should be here. Yours truly, of course, D. Burt. The, un- the Uncanny's doppelganger, Claire Lene, I think she is forthcoming. And, of course, Captain Kirk. The call-in number also remains the same. That doesn't change. 646-915-9620. 646-915-9620. All right, so let's get to a groove. You know how this works. We give you the urban alternative funk, the Afropunk, the alternative progressive hip-hop, the uh, psychedelic soul, all that stuff. This is hmm, not really new, but it's new to me. But I'm familiar with these with this artist. This is the great Holly Cook, Milk and Honey. A little bit of a little bit of dub. We'll be right back, folks. Let's groove. Thank you. 
All right. Courtesy of Afropunk, folks, that's Holly Cook, Milk and Dub, giving you a little bit of milk and, pardon me, milk and honey. I said milk and dub. Milk and honey from Afropunk, a little bit of dub music. All right, folks, let's get into it. This is the Grindhouse on a Sunday. Tentatively, we'll work it out. Let's get into it. Cap, you're needed in the holodeck of all places. Let's get to it. Uncanny is unavailable, but he's still very much a strong team member. It's just that he's got outside interests, a new position, like the Prince song, and uh, he will probably be on the show on Wednesdays as a contributor. So we'll work it out, and I would assume in the next couple of months we will get back to the equilibrium. But his doppelganger will take his place. You will not know the difference. You will not know the difference. I trust you on this. She's coming in. I see her outside the studio doors with the invisible jet. Borrowed from Diana Prince. They shared, you know, they, they have this, this whole flight time thing where they, uh, they're able to, <laughs> able to share uh, flight time, folks. Anyway, let's get into it. That's me trying to be goofy. She is the left coast correspondent herself. Claire Lene. Let's just get into it. Claire, is that you? It is I. All that funk and groove. Hold on. Let me, let me cut this down. All right. Okay. Folks, we're live. It's not Memorex. Trust me. All right. Um, let's get into the topic. So feel free to join in per usual. 646-915-9620. Six four six nine one five ninety six twenty. All right. Um, well, every late September, early October, it is to be expected that we're going to see new and returning TV series, our favorites. Um, let's get into some of this stuff. I'm going to go to, to the captain and go to Claire, and then I'll give you my thoughts. Uh, Cap, what did you think about season four of The Flash? CW is the Flash. Well, I, I thought it was for the first episode for season four. I thought it was a pretty good episode. You know, I like Flash. I don't really have any problems with Flash whatsoever. You know, Arizona, we're talking about Flash right now. You know, so I could see where some people were saying, and you had mentioned some of this. I could see that, you know, it was good to see without revealing too much. He's not dealing with another speedster as far as the enemy as of yet. I think later on he will be. It would have probably been better if maybe they did some crossover stuff from the beginning and let Flash wait till probably episode three or four and bring him back in. Maybe you could have brought in Supergirl to help carry it for episode you know, then, you know, bring in other characters, you know. Maybe you bring in the Arrowverse a little bit, episode two. Then you bring them in, you know. But they brought him right back. And it was, a, and one good thing is that he's starting to get some real speed now. 
He, he was slow flash. Let's be honest. That was slow flash that we were seeing the whole time. Now he's starting to get some real speed. And that, I like that a lot more as far as that's concerned. So we'll see what happens as far as, you know, the flash is concerned. Well, I'll pass it back to you pertaining to that. I don't want to reveal too much because some people have not watched it as yet. Well, I mean, you know, listen, it's not a movie. It is a weekly series, and it's it's, it's literally been a week since. I think we might have we might have a little bit more um, latitude when it comes down to discussing discussing some. You know, we'll, we'll play it by ear, but I think we can disclose uh, some things. Claire, did you get a, a chance to check out the first episode of season four of The Flash? Uh, yes, I uh, I just watched it actually just right before jumping on the uh, the show. Um, it's okay. I mean, you know, it's uh. The gang is back. <laughs> um, I think it's interesting, and I think it was probably, even though it's so abrupt, but I guess there's really no other way to about it, it feels abrupt, the transition between the finale of three and now the opener of season four in terms of, you know, repositioning um, Iris and and uh, Caitlin, and I get it, I get it, while it kind of feels a little bit jarring at first, I understand the necessity of it, because a personal complaint that I've always kind of had, well, not always, but certainly this past season, I was just kind of feeling like, oh, especially before, before Caitlin, you know, kind of transitioned into being um, Killer Frost, I just felt as though those two characters, you know, the two, the only two female leads of the show really didn't have anything to do of importance. And so I I like the fact that, you know, they're kind of shaking things up a bit. Caitlin is now not so dainty and delicate and she's not as polished. She's got more of a gritty feel to her you know, in general. Um, and, you know, Iris is is now, she's she's now a, a new amalgamation of what, of what Cisco and Caitlin used to be. She's, you know, they, they have that term, which no one really uses that much, but I like how Spider-Man Homecoming kind of brought it back when uh, Ned was saying, you know, I want to be, I want to be the man in the chair. I want to be the man in the chair, the, the one that's, like, looking at the computer monitor, and I'm the voice in your head, and I'm the one that helps you kind of figure out how to get out of a tough spot and the next quickest exit and blah, blah, blah. So now that's Iris, you know. That's now her her role in, in much of this, trying to be, you know, team leader, although I feel slightly, <laughs> slightly a little, like maybe that might be not, not quite as sold, you know, as much as they would like. I feel like it's a little disingenuous um, to suddenly have her trying to be team captain. But, uh, but I again, I can't really complain because ultimately I did want things to change. I did want some growth, some depth. Give them something to do, for goodness sakes. I mean... Otherwise, they just become redundant. They become a broken record, which is what happened to uh, 
to I already forgot her name. Oh, the uh, the actress who played Hawk Girl in season one of Legends. They, you know, you get stuck. You get stuck into a rut. You get written into a corner, and then there's really nowhere to go. And so then the next thing you know, it's like, okay, well, I guess we're going to cut you loose because <laughs> this is not serving anybody at this point. So I like that. I was not too keen on Iris playing the same role we've seen multiple times of, like, another version of quintessential Lois Lane, you know? So instead of working in Metropolis for the Daily Planet, here we have Iris working for, you know, Central City Picture News, and just like you have Cara Danvers working for Catco, you know, Media, and it's just, it's getting a little tired. So even though I'm not really, you know, thrilled at what I saw, I'm seeing a lot of potential for change, you know, growth, and yes, I hope it's not going to be another speedster villain, because there's only so many times you can play that card, you know? But uh but yeah, I'll be honest, my interest is already kinda of waning on the show, so I'm I'm just I'm just holding on. I'm holding on. Well, I think that we might be in for a ride because uh even courtesy of Screen Rant, and I'll put it in the chat room, screenrant.com has a piece entitled Why the Flash Stop Using Speedster Villains. And that was something that was crucial because it was it was really wearing thin. And especially for someone like myself that literally got into comic book collecting from that character. I've said it on the show many times that the first character that I was, that that got me involved in comic books, the first book that I really saw as a comic book or read was the flash. And the flash intrigued me because, um, you know, they didn't have the term CSI back then. Uh, it was police scientist. And I didn't know as a kid that there was such a thing as a police scientist, really. So, uh, when, of course, the CIA, CSI franchise thing came off, came off and it's, it's big till this day, the first thing that came in my, came in my mind is like, wow, if they, if they return to Flash in some kind of cinematic effort to have the police scientist thing, or now CSI, that would be like a, a, a hand being fitting into a glove. I thought, thought it was an obvious thing to do now because a police scientist – Back in, like, when did they bring back that character? 1956, I think, is when they brought back this modern version of the Flash. The Flash that we know, Barry Allen, and being a police scientist. Uh, again, we're talking about, damn, 60 years ago that uh, they envisioned that, that, that kind of thing. So to see it cinematically is cool. Now, we're hearing Denny Tre- Denny, Danny Trejo is going to be making an appearance as some kind of, uh, I think, some kind of villain. Uh, this thinker, I think even our friend John Hutton had even said that this is going to be the fastest man alive versus the fastest mind alive. And if you, if you have read any of these, com- these uh, Flash comic books, he didn't always fight uh, a speedster. Matter of fact, you know, it was, just, it was really just him and, and Professor Zoom and then later years, you had all these different speedster iterations. And even, and even the way that they used their speed was different. I mean, you saw some of that, some of that with the TV show. But there's a whole rogues gallery that, that they really haven't explored to the fullest. So 
I think that if they really um, really go into the archives, I mean, hell, there's, there's, there's countless stories to, to feed from that it's unnecessary to constantly go to this speed thing. Um, one thing I, I did feel a little bit off about was how quickly the Flash returned. And this is something that we discussed from season, from season three, is that when, he went in, when they went into this whole – um, this whole flash thing. What was it? What was it? The, the name of the the, the flashpoint. Why can I? Flashpoint. Thank you. When he went into the whole flashpoint thing, you know, flashpoint was was a full arc in comic books, and even with the animated thing, I mean, it was a full animated movie, but they treated it for what? what, what how long did flashpoint really last? Like one or two episodes? Claire, do you remember? It was it was like very short. Oh, that was a joke. That was one episode, and I didn't understand what the rush was to encapsulate Flashpoint in forty-four minutes. I'm sorry, forty-two. Forty-two minutes. They wanted to do a Flashpoint story and then have the remainder of the season try to talk about Savitar and then, you know. Um, that uh, the the British the British dude and just all this stuff it just I really felt like we had nothing invested we didn't spend enough time in Flashpoint with the mom and the dad and the happily ever after to really see that there is a reason why he did this there's a there's this you know I, ideal setting and that he thought yeah I could have my cake and eat it too I could have my parents. And I can save Joe from his alcoholism, and I can introduce myself to Iris, and we can still hit it off, and everything will be great. But you can't do that in 40 minutes. And I don't understand what the rush was. And so then the whole the whole season from that point, for me personally, just was just dragging on and on when ultimately they should have devoted at least three episodes, at least some kind of arc. To flashpoint at least that way when he has to give it up in order to set things right in the timeline you know even though it means losing his parents at least we feel that we can empathize that man that would be a hard choice but here it just ugh, who cared at that point nobody cared well there's one thing also that uh and we'll talk about legends of tomorrow but legends does something and i guess that's kind of the premise of legends to have this necessary crossover. I mean, it, it is an excuse for a crossover simply because, well, this, you know, it could be at any time, you know, a, any time. So if you're in, in any, any time, you're bound to run into some other hero or some other villain. But uh, even with the, uh, their season opener, you saw a casual thing with steel interacting with Wally West. And you know, it, what would have been interesting is if you had at least, I'd say, at a, at a minimum three episodes without Barry Allen, just how, just how did his family and friends deal with that loss? The troubling is that you, you, cinematically, or, or I should say thematically, it, it makes more sense that the, the audience is able to believe – uh, or get into the characters having lost this main character, having lost uh, a, a, a soon-to-be husband, 
uh, a friend, a son, and so forth. And then how does the city cope with this hero being missing? So if they were to do as casually as Legends did it, you could have had Supergirl come through to, to lend an assist. You would have seen – it would have had to have been um, Vibe and Wally kind of showing up for the Flash. Uh, the other Flashes from other universes – I mean it could have been a whole thing where you could have seen where it would have been it really an excuse – to do a crossover, but it would have also shown you that, wow, when Barry is gone, we've got to get other heavy hitters. We've got to do something to compensate for this loss, for the city to be protected, and also to somewhat give balance to the friends and family. But if it, it like Claire said, if it only took 42 minutes, I mean, what, what did we lose? What did we lose? That's just a, that's, that's been a problem for me with the Flash since it it's inception that they've done things so quick without letting the show breathe that it becomes somewhat problematic for me. So, but other than, other than that, I will say that this, um, this episode was a bit darker. You know, you saw that, uh, flash came back with a beard. Um, he was out of it mentally. They didn't know how to communicate with this guy. He was speaking for the lack of a better word in tongues but it, it, it was, he, you know, he somewhat saw the universe. And we've seen this as a trope, too, that uh, in comic books and even with the Justice League animated series. Uh, what is that thing called, Cap? Um, the anti-life equation, that you have to have some degree of intellect to be able to accept, like, all knowledge. Like, you have to be smart enough just to be able to, to learn the ways of the universe uh, or else you will go crazy. And there was an element of that with his staying in the in the Speed Force. And even then, I mean, we've seen that a few times when he's gotten into the Speed Force. But what does it what does it really mean to to live in the Speed Force? We don't really we don't really understand it. So anyway, see, these are the well, things I that have been gone. I think science fiction has touched on that in a couple of different ways and. In terms of um, whether it be a permanent, you know, rewiring of someone's, you know, synapses, or even just the fact that being able to have that omnipotence to be able to see into all the inner workings of of existence of the universe, you know, it can drive a person mad, you know, because maybe we're just not ready to handle that type of, you know knowledge or information or awareness but it's just funny i want to throw in that i was personally very surprised that grant gustin can grow a beard i didn't even know that boy had enough testosterone to uh-huh. do that because that is a full beard that wasn't even like some of that patchy spotty uneven crap that guys you know you you gotta shave that man if you, you if you know you can't grow it evenly Please shave that crap off your face. <laughs> but yeah, I just I wanted to say, throw in that it was kind of I weird say, seeing him like that. I will say that that um, I didn't think of it that deeply, no just to him, but I, I did think that uh, it looked natural. So it, it it didn't it didn't come off as if it was like some kind of pasted on. I mean, I, I assumed he grew that. If he grew that, I mean, that's pretty you know pretty impressive. Um, I like him better with the beard. 
Me too. Yeah, see, you should have had. Me too. I was um, surprised. I didn't think that that was possible. You know, I just for some reason I look at him and I think he's two steps away from always being that skinny, you know, emo. You know know what I'm saying? Like when we met his um his uh his this. His remnant. Remember his remnant that ends up becoming well, that was Sa- Avatar? That was Avatar. Yes. Yeah, that was you know? Avatar. Which, let me tell you, the logistics behind that, I'm still not clear on. But whatever. I'll let it go. But at least what I'm saying is is that, you know, for this, I'm, I, I like it. I like seeing him a little bit grizzled as opposed to seeing the skinny, emo, awkward, smarmy, angry, you know, whiny you know, kid, I kind of, I kind of like this. I don't know, just well, that, throwing it out there. Well, that's that's what that's what you know. Going back to this need to rush, like, you know, again, we don't know. We should have been more time to see, more time to see, um, what he experienced Speed Force, more time to see what his friends and family, how they were coping. I mean, it was it, that is one of the drawbacks of the Flash, and I love the Flash, but. That's been at the heart of that series from the beginning. And, you know, uh, the captain reminds me of this, that because of the times that we're in, they got to hit these things fast and hard. But I think after four years, I think Flash has a pretty consistent established audience. But, um, you know, the, the, the often times go to excuse for having to do it because, you know, you're dealing with ADD folks out here. Uh, the audience just – you got to hit it simple and hard because – you know, this 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 is not 1980 and uh, all in the family when there's only three or four uh, channels available. Now you have, you know, immeasurable amount of channels now. So I mean, I understand that, but it just sometimes it doesn't work thematically to constantly rush into something and, and not re- not really let a storyline breathe. All right, let's go deeper into the CW verse. Supergirl also came back Monday evening. Um, she too has changed. So, going back, passing the mic to Kirk, what were your impressions of Supergirl? Episode of Supergirl, I really, really liked. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I got a different Supergirl. You know? I didn't get that Sally girl from the valley, you know, extremely, extremely goody goody. You know, Supergirl is still all about the light and everything else, but I got to see her in a different light, you know, and I enjoyed that episode. I actually enjoyed this Supergirl nonsense, you know. I was like, yeah, this this, this I actually did like, you know. Now, based on what I saw there on the first episode, she probably is not going to stay that way. You know, she may go back to how she originally was on the previous episodes, but I thought that episode was refreshing, you know? So it was definitely refreshing. No complaints. And I was always complaining about Supergirl. No complaints. Back to you, Afrona. Well, listen, on some level, and I said this when Supergirl was on CBS, I was somewhat happy, and this goes back to me being a nerd slash blurred um, nerd of color, that, you know, at the heart of it, I like to still see this kind of stuff on TV. So I, I accepted a lot. You know, my first impressions was um, this was the Devil Wears Prada, you know, initially. And I thought, I thought that's where they were going with it, you know, when it, was on, when it was on CBS. But 
once the CW thing came about, and really the CW really was a, was really the appropriate fit for Supergirl, if you're going to be honest. Um, there were some things that I actually liked about the CB, CBS thing, and then things that I disliked with the transition. For season three, I will confess that this particular episode was pretty interesting because, uh, as the captain has just said, that uh, because of the loss of Mon L, and I'm sure you know he's going to return. Spoiler alert! I'm sure you're going to fit him in some some down the line. There'll be some uh, reasoning as to why and how he will return. But uh, for all intents and purposes, he's out of the picture at least for how this the storyline is going. And she was affected by it. So you saw that she didn't really want to be um, Cara Danvers anymore. She wanted to be Supergirl and, and cut off emotion. So I thought that was pr- thought that was pretty interesting. But uh, I have to I have to kind of con- concede to Claire on the on the political front. At one time, I didn't I didn't always look this deeply for characters of color and how they're portrayed. Not always. Some, you know, half the time I did. But maybe, maybe I had a blind spot when it came to book stuff. Not anymore. I noticed that, and maybe, Captain, you can, you can um, chime in on this one. And Claire, too. But I thought that Jimmy Olsen was more, um, I don't want to say manly. But that's the only way I could think of. That, that they kind of gave that, that character a little bit more gravitas when he was a potential love interest. And, you, you know, I, I, I thought like he was more, um, more of the boss of things. Would you agree? Like, in other words, everyone had, because this is a, a tall, strapping brother, 6'2", six, 6'3", six, and um, even though she's got the powers, he was kind of the go-to person. She was a person just coming, coming, coming into this into this city. Uh, she had that kind of starry-eyed, fresh look. She was Clark's Clark's cousin. So uh, Jimmy had to be that the, the go-to person in some in some way. When he came, when when the transition went to the CW, all of a sudden he's kind of the background player, even though he's a superhero himself. And it just seems like, you know, I don't see too many, you know, no girlfriends now. That relationship is gone. Now Mr. Squarejaw comes through, and, and now that's all deaded. I mean, it's something it, – it just seems like at, at any point when there's, when there's a, a black male uh, character, they don't know what to do. And they, they, they take – I have to go to – to, to, uh, I have to go to, to capsule language. They, um, they take the man's – balls away from him for the lack of a better word and even with john johns he now he's kind of the mother figure somewhat even though and even he had said that oh i'm an alien but i've been a black man for a long time in this in this uh guise in the guise of a black man that's something i thought was pretty profound that was actually mentioned on supergirl that oh yeah i'm still a black man even though i'm an alien so what happened what happened between cbs and cw that transition well, if you're gonna mention Manhunter, <laughs> he's depowered anyway. You know that. You, you, you just remember all the fight scenes from 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 last season. He's depowered. He's not at the right power level. You know that. The way they do him all the time. If you read the comic books, 
from that standpoint. So from him, I definitely agree with you. You know, Jimmy Olsen, you know, I mean, Mr. Olsen, I'm out to, still out to the lunch. I'm still watching him. You know, so I go back and forth with, with his, his character. You know, I'm still watching him. But definitely, Mr. Man. I mean, he was, he was dating um, Lois Lane's sister. And she was not hard on the eyes, you know, even though he had feelings for, for, um, for Kara. But then all mm-hmm. that, everything just disappears, and now he's a eunuch. <laughs> Both these guys are eunuchs. I just see a pattern. Mr. Terrific on Arrow is a eunuch. Well, I mean, people, think I'm, people think I'm crazy, but I see the pattern. I see the no, pattern. You're not crazy. You're not crazy. You know, you know uh, mon comes in. He regulates. Okay? White males come in, they regulate. Black males, they're, they're, you know, I mean, come on, man. Something ain't right. (laughs) Anyway, uh, not to get too much into Supergirl, but I I actually like, it was was a solid, it was a solid uh, season three opener. I thought it was a little bit different. Uh, We'll see how things progress. I think um, also from Smallville, uh, Erica Durant is going to be, I, I believe, a semi-regular in some way. I think she took place, took the, the place of the other actress that played Kara's um, Kryptonian mother. So I guess that, I mean, you know, Erica Durant, uh, you know, she's like 39. She looks, still looks good. She still looks like Erica Durant. I mean, you know, maybe, I guess they age better on, uh, <laughs> they age better on Krypton because she looks a little too young to be, you know, to to be Kara's mother, but the uh, Smallville Super, Superman DNA. So I, I'm sticking with it. I'm sticking with it. Claire, any thoughts on Supergirl? If you got a chance to check it out. Yeah, I, uh, I yeah, it took me a second to realize that it was Erica Durant. You know, once I saw, you know, them hug and up close, I was like, oh my god, that's Lois from Smallville. Um, I honestly think that this was a terrific episode. I mean, it's, in terms of, you know, fighting the bad guys and whatever, I mean, yeah, that we get the same um, action set pieces, and it, it still follows the same beats, for sure. And like you guys said, it's going to be business as usual, probably by episode two. But in terms of being an episode that allows us to see an angrier you know, side of her. I like that. I like that. There was another episode, either in season two or one, I think two, um, where you got to see, you know, that side of her, uh, you know, in another episode where she could be a little darker and kind of a little unsettling because you're so used to seeing her being this chipper, happy, bright, you know, everything's okay, you know, you know, cute white girl, and all of a sudden, when she flips that switch, it's it's it freaks everybody out, you know. Um, and I happen to think that was really good of them to 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 touch on because it's a it's a, ref, a reflex, a defense mechanism that a lot of people go to in terms of grief or stress. You know, they just shut people out. You know, they start trying to run away from certain aspects of their life. And for them to be able to explore that, you know, honestly, and for her to say things that are kind of harsh, 
I was like, yes, okay, all right, you, you, you know, revel in it, go for it, because it's not that often we're going to be able to see this, you know, out of 22 episodes, we're lucky if we get two <laughs> that will have this tone, that kind of anger, that kind of sadness, that kind of, you know, frustration at, at what it means to be a hero and having to make all these sacrifices, making the hard choices, you know, so I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure my enjoyment or my enthusiasm will build up as we get further into the seasons, but I'm just going to be real with you. A lot has happened, and so I just kind of feel like I'm in a sense of overwhelm with all the different shows that, you know, are out there that we need to take a look at, that we need to support or whatever. I just, I just, I'm starting to feel like if I am not totally in, like completely excited and sold on something, then I'm just not really, you know, committed. I'm not really able. To, exactly, I'm not committed to finding the time to watch. So we'll see. That's what happened we'll with Gotham. <laughs> oh, I, I got out of Gotham. I, was, everybody, I, I think everybody left Gotham. <laughs> I just, everybody. I was like, I think, I think I stuck. How, how many, how many seasons is Gotham in? Like, was it four seasons now? I think it's the fourth. I did two and I a think half. I, yeah, I did like about that much. I, I like the. Yeah. It's like a whole year. I'm done. I, I just couldn't handle it anymore. I couldn't do it anymore. I'm like, where are you going I mean, with this now already? I mean, Hugo Strange, <laughs> Hugo, Hugo Strange, and the sister. For some reason, I dug that. <laughs> I like I, I liked him. Um, who was that? That's uh, B D Wong. Uh, yeah. He's an incredible actor. Even uh, I, I guess I mean I kind of dipped out of regrettably. Now I say this regrettably. I dipped out of out of um, uh, what is the other thing that he was in? Uh, it just came back too. I didn't see that yet. Oh, Mister Robot. Mr. Robot, thank you. Um, mm-hmm. He was incredible. I mean, everything he does, he's kind of, you know, he's just kind of that guy. And, uh, but once that, you know, at some point he got, it just, this whole thing, we had, it just bothers me that if you see, um, if you go to, to where this is supposed to end up, where uh, at some point Bruce Wayne becomes Batman, his, Villains, his rogues gallery are going to be uh, uh, ten years away from retirement. I mean, just it just come on, uh, enough. Something about it just it's just no. <laughs> I just I dipped out. So Claire, you you really shouldn't feel um a, a way about that because that's happening to all of us. This is like Arrow. I dipped out of. Arrow, I dipped out of. Daredevil is going to be my Arrow. Yeah, I, just, I couldn't deal with Arrow. And the unfortunate thing, to be fair, the unfortunate thing is that when I even looked at Arrow, like seriously, was because of the crossover, the first you know crossover with Flash. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll take a look. And that was season four. And I was like, what the hell is everybody talking about? This show is terrible. <laughs> well, well, season one, see, again, so I got, I got to go back to certain crazy. things. Season was one was was very interesting. I was I was yeah. I was completely just engrossed. Uh, this is way before the whole. You know, I have to give credit where credit is, is due. Arrow was the intro to all these other superheroes. Uh, Arrow is is 
was or is the linchpin for the rest of the CW universe. So I give them, I give them credit for that. But when they had um, the English step Afro Brit, I gotta remind say that uh, the, the the stepfather, that dynamic was interesting. Then he yep. just disappeared. Uh, you know the neutering process. <laughs> like it's just yep. thing. it's just it's just something that happens. I I just got to get used to it. You know he you know he's a, a, a dashing cat. You know uh, the dynamic that his his uh, biological father. You know, he died on that expedition. Well, it really wasn't an expedition. They were just out in a boat. And then he gets lost, and, and for five years he's missing on this island. Like, there was a lot going on. And it, it, was, um, it was grittier. It was a grittier affair. Now it's just, I don't know, it just completely, it completely lost its way. I think it, maybe season so one, season two, I was, in, I was involved. After that, I, I dipped out. You know what some of these shows remind me of? Now, what they, what the, the thing that they're doing. Now, you had good multiculturalism on that Arrow season one. You know, at first, the whole dynamic and everything flow. It reminds me of in the nineties. They used to have these things called coalition here in uh, New York. You would go around to construction sites, and twenty five percent of your construction site had to be minorities, or the coalition could stop your site. And if you stop your site from working, they're losing money, you know, per minute, per hour, and everything else. So what they would do sometimes, start the site with the right amount of minorities so the coalition would not come there and stop them. Then they would get within the minorities and then run business as usual. And that would go on for a while until the word gets back. In some of these series, it seems like that's what they're doing. They started off correctly. It's good. You know, it's actually good. The whole dynamic, there's people there that you want to see. Then they just phase them out. <laughs> it's business as usual. Arrow season one, very well done, man. You know? And they would just start popping and murdering and killing everybody. Though I did like the killing, but still all in all. Some of those characters needed to stay. Back over to you, Afro yeah, you know, his mother, like that, the death of his mother in front of Speedy, you know, the sister Speedy and Arrow, I mean, that was pretty, that was pretty rugged. You know, and again, it, it worked as far as, okay, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's heavy drama, it's tragedy, but then where do you go after that? Uh, his best friend gets, his best friend gets killed in that, in that, you know, the crumbling building, if I remember correctly, but you need some of these characters, and then even... The original Black Widow, I guess, you know, that actress still can kind of sort of come back and has, has come back with the doppelganger thing, with these, uh, the opening of all these alternative universes, which is, you know, thanks to The Flash, that's where you get that kind of crossover appeal. But uh, what did it for me? Black Canary. Black Canary, yeah. What did I say? I mean, Black Canary. You said Black, Black Widow. Widow. Oh, Black, uh, Jesus. <laughs> Black Canary, thank you. Black Canary, um, the doppelganger thing came into came came into being, which is you know it's, it's kind of it's kind of cool, I will admit. But um, I actually did it, like that. I actually did like that when the introduction after Laurel was killed, and then we had a little snippet of her doppelganger showing up as Black Siren, you know, on the Flash. Honestly, I liked that version of her. 
Like, I just liked it. It was more engaging. It was more confident. It was more sexy. It was just so, you know, not that there was a whole lot that was given for her to do because ultimately she was still a minion of Zoom. But I just think, I think there's something to be said with knowing when to add a touch of the, of the other, of the darker, you know, more harsher elements, especially when you're dealing with characters who, you know, might come off inherently light, you know. I'm not saying that Arrow has ever, in my opinion, been a very light and bright show, but I, to me, I think sometimes they confuse what the tone is in order to be most effective. That's why every now and then when Felicity would be going off and, and trying to trying to be cute, cute and quirky in that very, you know, uh, fast-talking, smart, but kind of awkward and, uh, uh, you know, in that very Joss Whedon kind of way, it would just annoy the hell out of me. I was like, ah, shut up, please. Can we just, well, can we focus? Can well, we it's funny focus? You mi- it's funny you mentioned Joss Whedon because that's probably who they would need for the writing staff. For, for there to be some kind of an improvement. That's what really is, is to me, killing Arrow. No, no, no. And, and, no. And, at the very, and at the very least, and I've said, this, I've said this many times, is that once I saw the fight choreography on Daredevil, I was done with Arrow. I, I, I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, it really, it really is like a bunch of cosplayers just screw, uh, screwing around. You see the difference. Like, why is that? Why is the fight choreography the business on Daredevil? Versus Arrow, when essentially they're similar, there should be a similar tone to those shows. What's I going mean, on listen, there? I get it. In terms of the timing, in terms of the timing, you're right. This was the 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 beginnings. Not not in terms of having this particular genre in you know Warner Brothers CW property. No, because I was just listening to this podcast, listening to uh, Michael Rosenbaum and Tom Welling, and Rosenbaum is 45. Welling is is 40, and they were talking about all their experiences working on Smallville and how this was before, way before anybody considered, you know, shared universes and comic book lore as, as being, you know, a thing. so dominant in our culture. I mean, this was before social media. This was before a lot of stuff, and so it was very interesting to listen to these guys how when they first read the pilot, and they first signed on to the show, very similar reaction to Patrick Stewart when he talked about the first time he was, uh, you know, working on Star Trek Next Generation. The reaction was, this will not last. This will get canceled. Oh, this seems stupid. Oh, this is so hokey. You know what I'm saying? But, But it's just interesting to me because now that it is, like, we're spoiled. We are spoiled with all these different shows coming out and everything being crossover and connected and, you know, little winks and nods and Easter eggs everywhere. But you're right. You're right. I do try to give credit where credit is due. And Arrow was trying to be Batman, you know, after the popularity of of the, you know, the Dark Knight trilogy and trying to build that whole franchise up on television. I get it. I do. I get it. But when I saw the season finale for season four of Arrow, in which 
he goes toe-to-toe up against Damien Dark, you know? And this is this is supposed to be on par with League of Assassin fight training. I mean, you got to be the best of the best. You got to be the deadliest. That fight scene was so similar, and you've heard me say this before. That fight scene was really comparable to Kirk fighting a Gorn. It was so cheesy. It was so awful. It was like laughably bad. Yeah. Right? It's not that bad. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. That's a bad thing. What? When he fought the Gorn? Slow motion business. I mean, tell me that that wasn't just garbage. And then you can see the stuntman. <laughs> yeah, and then you can see the stuntman. You know, this is the same reaction I had, by the way, to the fight between Medusa, a.k.a. Sinead oh. O'Connor. Let's not talk <laughs> and, about that. And the henchwoman in in humans. That. That's the Let's same reaction I had to that nonsense. That was bad. Right? I can't. I can't bad. bring my I can't bring myself to look at Inhumans. I, I'm that's I'm it. out of that. More I, I just that's can't done. do it. I'm, that's, that's done. done. Finish. Yep. I mean, just done. just psycho just psychologically, I can't do it to myself. I'm out of that. Here, Folks, if you haven't guessed it, the problem here's the one problem with Arrow, and we all talked about, we all agree about this. The flashbacks have gotten worse. <laughs> Ugh. That, that just drove me nuts. <laughs> it was worse. It's like. Whenever we get stuck in the writing, we just do flashbacks. That's it. <laughs> That's what they do it for. That's the problem right there. Anytime they get stuck, oh, put this in. It was so bad in this episode. The flashback. What are they flashing back for? What are they showing me this for? Just write in something else. You didn't need to show this here. It's too lazy, man. That's lazy. And my oh, thing man. is, is that again, it's become a crutch. Yes. It's become a crutch that you now lean on, that you are so dependent on. And my question is to to them, which I know they come up with all these new finagled ways to 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 move forward with the story, but it has been established that he was on uh, what is it, Lian Yu, yeah. the yeah. island. Mm-hmm. It was established that he was stuck there, marooned there for five years. What season are we on? <laughs> so how much longer do we have to flash back? What else is but there for went, you to show me? But he went back there. He just recently went back there. <laughs> oh, Lord. Saying, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Lord. back from season five now. I will confess, I, I like the Russian connection and his boy. Oh, I think his boy is going to be returning yeah, for this episode. There's, there's yeah, the elements cool. of the elements of Arrow that I actually like, but I mean, at some point, I just, I mean, between and I, again, I said it before, Mister Terrific annoys me. You know, you can't fight uh, if you know the if you know the character from the comic books. I mean, this guy is supposed to be the third smartest uh, person in the DC universe. He's on par, literally, with Batman. He has a similar skill set skill set uh, with Batman, and you know. You're not supposed to go into this, but I mean, the, the fact that they they just turned on the switch, off the or the on, off on switch with his sexuality, um, 
and we're hearing, you know, this is kind of a, it's not really a, a shocker, I guess, but they're going to bring back Constantine in some way into the CW. He's going to be making, making a return uh, via Legends of Tomorrow. Not only are we going to see him anim, um, in animation, there's going to be a Constantine animated series that looks pretty good, actually. But they're going to bring him. He was already he was on Arrow. He had a, he had an arc on Arrow that was pretty cool. Uh, so they're going to bring him back for Legends, and they're going to uh, go into the bisexual thing with him, uh, which is which is part of Constantine's print media characterization. So going to hate on that because well that's part of the character that's that's the character. But conversely, with um, Mr. Terrific. This guy lost his wife tragically. He was an Olympic-level athlete, has all these degrees. Uh, he runs his own company. You know, when, it, when, it, when it's time for the CW version, they turned on the, the, the gay switch, so he became gay and black. So they had to, we saw, talked, about, talked about this before. When they start doubling up on the protected classes in one person, that, to me, I think is a problem. And also, his original history was engaging, and they, that's just gone, and he defers to Felicity. That's not the way he's supposed to go. They made Felicity the, 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 the hot show now. She has her own company. They, they, they uh, elevated her and depowered Mr. Terrific. Mr. Terrific is essentially um, Tony Stark for DC, and now he's like this sniveling dude that can't really fight, and it's just, it's just I mean, come on. Whatever. But I'm not supposed to gripe because that would make me like an SJW or something. I, I don't know. All right, but folks, even, this... if, even if we're not talking about the gay thing, okay, even if we weren't talking about that, you made an excellent point in terms of these characters being neutered. That's a well, fair yeah. point. Well, they, the, the, the issue is that they have uh, original gay characters that deserve to be uh, put out there. You know why? Why it's, it's it's very lazy writing to just have uh, a person of color um, unless that unless that character is unless that's endemic to the character, but just to kind of make things easy and flip a switch. I mean, in real time, you can't flip that switch. So why are you flipping the switch when it, flipping the switch when it comes down to uh, a TV series? Because well, you know, those characters are expendable. They're not going to make Arrow gay because you know Arrow is, is a known Lefario in comic books. I mean, John, the, the John Wayne uh, archetype doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> the black man is, well, is not allowed to be uh, John Wayne. That much I know. If it makes you feel any better, if it makes you feel any better, just think of it this way. Luke Cage got Jessica Jones, Misty <laughs> Knight, and Claire Temple. Like, I was watching Defenders. It's like, who hasn't he tapped? Well... <laughs> <laughs> well, well, he's supposed to ja- tap Jessica Jones. That's in the missile. <laughs> See, that's why I was confused because I've got more than one pe- more than one person come to me. People that are dead set on comics, dead set on just the show, or people that don't really know much about it. But a lot of people agree that you know, I I mean, I thought that it would have been interesting to really see the progression of Jessica and Luke. You know, that not saying it's got to be they got married and have babies. Not saying it has That's to go that far, even though it That's is in the comics. Even though it's mm-hmm. in the comics, it is canon. But I'm just, I don't know, this whole thing with hooking up with Misty and now he's with Claire. 
And, you know, I kind of liked, to be honest with you, I liked Claire and Matt. Like, I kind of liked their, you know, dynamic. I felt that chemistry a little bit more than I felt with him and Electra. But, yeah. hey, to each his own. To each his own. I, I, well, I will give credit where credit is due. At least that character I'm comfortable with. <laughs> <laughs> like, but I bet you, the, I bet you are. I bet you I are. I bet you are. <laughs> that makes sense. I bet you, and even, you really did, and even, Luke. <laughs> and, and even, and even, uh, if you caught it in, um, in the Defenders, I think they fell on each other or something, and she, or something happened, and he said maybe we can get some coffee or something to, to uh, Jessica Jones. He did throw that at, 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 oh, at no, her. Oh, she did. She's oh, she said the that. One. She's the one because she remember when they got together at the the dragon the dragon restaurant and they're too busy focusing on the fighting and on whatever the hand so Luke never mentions Claire to her so she as far as she knows he's still single so that's why she mentioned hey maybe we can get coffee sometime yeah I like that <laughs> that makes that makes me feel comfortable <laughs> right oh okay you comfortable. Oh, you're comfortable yeah, that, with that. that okay. You, yeah, that makes me feel that's uh, yeah. Let let black man breathe. I like that. Like that's 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 better. All right, folks. This is the grind house. Uh, unfortunately, but fortunately, we have uh the uncanny's doppelganger. She's doing a, she's doing smashingly in his absence. Don't be too scared, as they say, folks. Um, the uncanny will be returning probably on Wednesday. Believe it or not. Uh, new position for him. So until the equilibrium kind of gets back in order, uh, it's going to be a couple of months where things are going to be kind of out of sorts. I think even tentatively, the grindhouse is now on Sunday. So it is what it is. Not a problem. We will be able to kind of deal with all these changes. The call-in number, that hasn't changed, 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. Cap, Claire, myself, we're here. Uh, Let's go to a quick groove for about a minute and a half. I'm going to make it real short. We're going to continue with some of the uh, discussion on new and returning TV shows. Uh, I kind of dig The Good Doctor begrudgingly, although it's just House in a new new body. They just it's literally the writers of House gave you another Doctor show with a Doctor that's hyper intelligent but has some kind of problem with communicating with his with his staff. So that really wasn't a stretch. Uh, we spoke about the gifted a little bit before. Uh, more episodes, I think. Uh, episode two. I must confess, I'm kind of digging the gifted. I'm, I kind of. I don't like Fox normally. Maybe Fox does better work on TV. This is Brian Singer's baby, no less. I don't. Not really a fan of Brian Singer, but I, I. I feel like I might be becoming a fan if he sticks to TV. Go figure. Anyway, we'll be right back. More groove. This is Saul Williams. Saw him in Afropunk a few times. Terrific performer. Saul Williams, dance. Give me about a minute and a half. Let's groove. We'll be right back. Everybody come and dance with me and leave your fears at the door, cough. 
wanna live, you wanna jump and fly, you wanna crack that whip, you wanna get inside, oh, oh. come on, come on, let me take you for a ride, oh, uh, you wanna kiss, you wanna get and tell, what the preachers and the teachers told you not to do, oh, oh, it's only for tonight, sweetheart, be gone. Phenomenal lyricist, uh, giving you something different. Again, he really is a consummate herb alt artist. And just a little bit of trivia, I actually became familiar with Saul Williams during an episode that he appeared on with his soon-to-be wife, Persia White, on Girlfriends. Uh, I think I believe that was a CW series too. Was that still was that CW? Girlfriends. It ran for quite some. And Persia White played like the. Um, the Lisa Bonet-esque so. character. Yeah, so he, he was he made an appearance as like this trippy poet. And uh, at some point, uh, he married Persia White for a few years. They're divor- divorced. And then she married another CW dude, who I'm just finding out. Uh, the actor's name is Joseph Morgan. And um, he plays... Uh, Klaus Mickelson, I think, on he was on the Vampire Diaries and then the originals. So she's married to some other dude from TV. So anyway, uh, just a little bit of trivia. Anyway, folks, this is the Grindhouse. We're back, uh, fully in effect, minus the uncanny. But I explained that before. He'll be back at some point. Um, you can join in with your queries, questions, protestations, uh, statements, disagreements. It's fine. Six four six nine one five nine six two zero six four six nine one five. 9620. Um, before the break, I mentioned that I was actually checking out The Good Doctor, which I believe is on ABC Disney. And I, I will confess that, you know, first of all, you had House on Fox for a number of years, long running. Uh, Hugh Laurie, uh, definitely a phenomenal actor and musician. And uh, what I dug about that show was that essentially, House was Sherlock Holmes. You know, you get the inference, House Holmes. He was Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes in a hospital. So uh, Hollywood, they're no stranger to uh, reverse engineering stuff. <laughs> they're no stranger to um, just switching things up a little bit but giving you the same old gristle. 
it is at this time they gave you they're giving you the good doctor and i think that it's performing pretty well so the good doctor probably will be sticking around for a while and it has uh, the lovely antonio thomas antonia pardon me and thomas who i knew and and really dug her from uh, uk's misfits and i think she's also in black mirror i mean she's she is a a afro brit and this this is what makes it very interesting that you know these people are so good at giving us American accents. I mean, we can't do this in reverse. I just haven't seen it. Not really. I know there's, there's been attempts of, of of U.S. actors doing the U.K. thing, but the the U.K. actors, Idris, all these people, even the, the lead actor who plays this autistic doctor, he's British also. These British people are getting are getting American jobs, man. I think that Sam Jackson may be onto something. He might be onto something. But um, has anyone seen The Good Doctor? Am I the only one? I dig it, even though I know nah. it's, I didn't it's see the re- it. I didn't see it. <laughs> nah. I like the fact. Well, he has autism, so it's the whole thing of just like in House. House was was this curmudgeonly doctor. That really didn't, you know, had poor social skills. Maybe he was on the spectrum. But this guy is really, he's really, you know, autistic in the sense that, you know, he, he spouts out truthful statements. He's not good at, uh, if someone says something, he's, he's not good at, um, he's not good at inference. He's so like when Jax. someone gives you, repeat it again. He's like Jax. Jax. Come on. Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dax. Oh, that's how he is? Drax. 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 Drax the Destroyer. Yeah, he's he's like that. He he takes things literally, and then sometimes he zones out. And when he he zones out, he's actually figuring out the inner workings of the body. They, They go to this graphic where it shows how his mind is working. But you're the person who's sitting next to him. They think this guy's just zoning out, and then you you find out that uh, at times when a person is, is asking him a question, he won't answer. He just won't answer. So at, uh, the last episode, Antonia Thomas, who's also a, a surgical doctor, but she's like you know she's young, so there's a whole hierarchy going on there as well. Um, and uh, another actor that I like, uh, Hill Harper, who's no stranger to the blog talk. Who's no stranger to the blog talk radio. I need to reach out to Hill Harper actually, but um, he he's like a, a a doctor that's also part of the of the infrastructure or part of the. He's a surgeon, but he's also part of the business of the hospital. So you see that dynamic where you know certain folks didn't really want him. Uh, Really, he really didn't want him want this guy to be in, be in the hospital, but he was strong armed by someone by by a compatriot, another doctor who could who who is is telling these doctors, listen, he has these issues, but this guy knows his ish, and because he has this this ability, he has an encyclopedic mind. But the issue is, how do you talk to someone who has these quirks, these ticks, and you find out when he zones out. Uh, and you're asking him a question, he won't respond to you. But it, it, talk about flashbacks. They do have flashbacks, but the flashbacks explain 
certain things, like a flashing light. Some, if a flashing light goes on, he zones out. Uh, there's an explanation via a flashback as to why these flashing lights make him go kind of just he checks out. Um, so far, so good. I have to confess, even though I know it's it's somewhat of a rehash. Um, I just like characters and folks know this that have encyclopedic minds. We'll see where it goes. We, we'll we'll see where it goes. I find I find it interesting. Oh, and you know what? There's there's an actress of Asian descent who I've seen before. I don't know. I know she was on. Um, Ah, Jesus. She was on uh, – what was that, that series that was on sci-fi? Uh, Eureka. She's on an arc, for, an arc of Eureka, and I've seen her here and there. And she also plays a person in the kind of business hierarchy. Uh, damn. She kind of reminds me of Ming-Na sort of, age-wise. Very professional-looking. proactive. <laughs> Hold on. Let me uh, – I'm trying to find out who that actress is. Anyway, I, I, I like what she does in the show, too, so I'm, I'm kind of digging it, I confess. I would want my uh, co-discussants to check out The Good Doctor. I'm just, I'm just suggesting. suggesting. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Um, no one has seen it but me, so let's move forward. <laughs> the Gifted. I'm going to go to Claire. I saw episode two. We talked about it a little bit before, but now I'm kind of getting more engrossed in this world. So what are your thoughts about Fox? Even deeper now, episode two. What are your thoughts about The Gifted? Well, honestly, I haven't had a chance to see episode two as of yet. But just kind of piggybacking off of what we talked about last week, um, the the pilot was predictable. I mean, it was basically set up in the trailer. You already knew the whole story beat from top to bottom. Um the Stephen Moyer character, he starts off, you know, says someone who prosecutes these these mutants, um, and then once it's once you know he realizes that his own kids are, he has to do everything he can to protect them from the uh, the Sentinel service, um, and I gotta say, probably one of the the best things about it, you know, if not the acting was just how believable everything was. I'm telling you, I'm really impressed with how they were able to to just meld all of the the usage of powers and 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 do it in such a way that when you when you see it, when they're, you know, in action, it looks completely believable. It looks seamless. It looks real. You know, it doesn't look hokey and fake and totally CGI'd and, and, you know, green screen, you know, beyond, you know, to oblivion. Just It just fits. You're completely on board with it. You're sucked right in. So even though the acting to me is still a little bit wooden, you know, it, it'll probably take a minute to kind of get everything just in the flow. Um, yeah, you know, I see a lot of potential. You know, I was a... I was a fan of the first few seasons of, of Burn Notice, so I can tell that there's some camera angles and some stylistic choices that are very much in that pacing. You know, it just, it just keeps it moving. It keeps it active, but still having a sense of grit. 
Uh, I think Matt Nix was was a very interesting choice and the, perhaps the right choice to create the show, to run the show, and to have people like Brian Singer and Simon Kinberg and Lauren Schuler Donner, who have been the architects of the X-Men film universe for a while now, to just kind of have them come in and do their thing, but not be completely, you know, the only ones involved. I think that's part of the issue is that they need other voices, other folks to help them kind of navigate through the television world. But I'm I'm liking it. I'm liking it. I'm 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 in. Just for full edification, um, the actress and I, I apologize for not. I, I've seen her account with some. She's a she's a well-renowned actress actually. Tamlin Tamita um, from Joy Luck Club and from The Day After Tomorrow. She plays this hospital administrator that um, I remember from Eureka. But now she's in. I'm kind of going back. She's the, she's the actress of Japanese descent that is in um, The Good Doctor. So <laughs> I like her. So I'm just going to keep on looking. I'm very that, – that's me. Anyway, going back to, <laughs> going back to um, The Gifted, not to give too much away to Claire, but episode two, the stakes are raised even higher, and I have to confess that um, there's, there's a, an issue with Blink, the Jamie Chung character, and you never really think that much about her power set, but something goes wrong, power set. Is frightening. I'm leaving it at that. If the if character doesn't have control of, of of that, it is hellish, and you start to see what could happen when something goes wrong. So that is this this elements of this very um there's a grittiness about it. Like you know the the the, the episode one. I I again I have to agree with Claire. It's a textbook, and you could take it or leave it because of it being a textbook. Episode two, not the case. It gets it's it's a little harsher. There's there's of course you know we know that um, I forgot that character's name. The character with the green hair that's in prison. She was in episode one. You see her in episode two, and um, you know they have kind of like uh, the orange Polaris, right? Uh, Magneto's daughter. We will see if that's that. Well, I would assume that's kind of like that's got to be. The case. I mean, we we will probably never see Magneto, but they clearly reference the X Men. That this is this is part of that universe, the TV series. Um, heck, I'm wondering. You know, we know that Marvel, Marvel MCU, they give you the impression that these characters could cross at any time with the big screen and the small screen. At least they give you the impression. But Marvel Fox. We ju- I just read somewhere that um, the 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 Phoenix X Men movie, which is forthcoming, uh, who's to say that these characters can't interact, whether it's Legion or Gifted, with the Marvel Fox world? I don't know, or even dare I say, uh, Deadpool. Well, you know, listen. That would make sense, so it's not going to happen. But it makes it makes me wonder. Uh, you you have an orange is, is the is the new black moment with episode two. So it's a lot going on. So so far I, I'm fully in. I must say I am fully in. And this cast it this cast is immersive, multiracially. So I, I appreciate that. 
So uh, I think that's, I kinda, that's interesting. Is that guy? That's Sunspot, right? Yes. Okay. You see, it's interesting to me because I almost felt like when I first heard about the cast, it, it was almost like, wait, is this like an apology for the fact that in Days of Future Past, Blink, Sunspot, Bishop, all these all these people of color, <laughs> all these mutants are are barely in the movie. They they have like almost no lines, you know. They're just there to show the apocalyptic future. They're just they're just there to be, you know, a diversity hire, check off that box. And so when I heard about this cast, I was like, ah, oh, interesting. So we're gonna be exploring that perspective, like that side of things. So yeah, I think I think there's a lot of potential here for sure. Well, just a correction. Um, that character is actually Eclipse. But he was he was definitely inspired by Sunspot. So the, I mean, Spot is in the mix with that character, but technically he's called Eclipse. But it's definitely inspired by Sunspot. But the other and character. And who is the that, other guy that can he can uh, have those visions? Oh, who has visions? No, yeah, the one that can see into things or see ahead of things. You you're talking about in uh, what Legion or is are you are you still on um, the Gifted? Well, I know that in Days of Future Past, because honestly, I, aside from Blink, who we know that is this character, as well mm-hmm. as the character that was in, the, in Days of Future Past, played by Fan Bingbing, mm-hmm. we know that for sure. So I just felt like there were so many parallels that I was noticing, because I could have sworn, like, oh, is that Sunspot? Is that who is that supposed to be? And then the other dude, he seemed like the TV version of, uh, of Warpath. Well, Remember the I mean, Native he... American? That's or true. The, I mean, he, this character is. I think Warpath isn't Warpath like a brother to Thunderbird. I mean, this is when I, I need the the uncanny. But I think there's a relation between Warpath and Thunderbird. But but as far as like uh, quintessential new X Men, going back to the comic books, uh, and Thunderbird dies at least in the comics. He dies like a few a few issues after his his uh, appearance. Um, this Native American character is Thunderbird. So, I mean, there's, listen, I can't hate on the gifted thus far because a lot of the spirit of the new X-Men is definitely in this show. It's an amalgam. It's an amalgam. I, I, you know, but it, I, I dig it. I, I dig where what's happening right now. I dig what's happening right now. Um, for S and Giggles, uh, the Ghosted, or I should say The Ghosted, Ghosted. Has anyone seen that? I saw the trailer. I mean, Craig Robinson is a funny guy. Don't get me wrong. I just, it, it just doesn't grab me. It doesn't really seem like my thing. Yeah, Adam Scott, we've seen him as a comedic dude. Uh, I liked him in um, Step Brothers. So... I, well, it's clearly meant to be a, a, a comedy. I mean, I, I, I've seen it. I will see it here and there. I don't dislike it. We'll see if it sticks around. I, I think it's actually performing fairly well. So, I mean, not that it means anything because, you know, the first, like, five episodes could do smashingly. And then once it starts to dip, because Fox doesn't keep anything, you know, unless it's, like, 100%. I mean, you could even do uh, two seasons. Uh, what was the Morris Chestnut um, series? I actually like that series. And I was uh, hoping it was going to survive, but it, it, that's another show that was 
immersive, multicultural, and um, a Rosewood. Rosewood uh, couldn't make it to season three. Fox is the death now. I don't think when it comes Pitch to... even made it to season two. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It didn't. It didn't. Pitch, pitch started out strong. Gave me a good five episodes. After that, I just didn't want to watch him. I don't know what happened. Started out strong, though. <clears throat> you know what? Listen, if you have streaming in full effect. Heck, you have major... Major channels with CBS, major major operations now they're pursuing streaming. So I mean, they're, they're, no one wants to admit that the competition is stiff. I think Pitch might have done better on a streaming service, maybe a Hulu or something. But and, and then also just this Fox just doesn't have a good track record for me. There's a lot of good stuff that Fox had just kind of tossed away. So I think that's just in, just a problem for for what it is. All right, let's let's move on to. Uh, this this uh, what's making the rounds on the internet now, and I think it's pretty interesting. And I will say I, I raised an eyebrow at how this is a no-brainer, and uh, why not? You know, with the success of Wonder Woman, you would think Marvel. I guess you know, is Marvel just going to wait to what 2019 to have their version of Wonder Woman, which is essentially uh, Captain Marvel, or, or should they look at this all-female Avengers? Uh, word has it that. Tessa Thompson, who I'm hearing, the actress Tessa Thompson, who I think is, was also in Westworld. Tessa Thompson yeah. is Valkyrie, and that's a problem from some folks that are into Norse mythology. I'm hearing she has also stated that having a actor of color portraying some of these mytho- mytho- white mythological heroes, they're getting death threats and all kinds of stuff, but that's, that's a side issue. <laughs> Tessa, well, it's to be expected. It's, it's to be expected. Tessa taps the shoulder, figuratively and I think literally, of Kevin Feige, for those in the know, he's the Marvel Studios president, and he says, hey, I think she does it with all these other women behind her that are playing Marvel characters, Marvel heroines, and uh, he says, hey, I think it's time for you to consider an all-female Avengers film. And he says, you know what? Yeah. Yeah, we, let's, let's do that. So that kind of made the rounds on the Internet. Um, I find that interesting. And also, I, I should say that I was, I was kind of going off a little bit. Tessa Thompson, they're saying that she's, she's doing very well in this Thor thing. Like she's kind of a standout presence in Thor. So between well, – there's really three things going, here, going in, and I'm going to throw it out to my co-discussants. One, you have Tessa kind of throwing it out there to Kevin Feige. Two, the notion, once again, you have a, a character of color portraying uh, – if anyone has seen Valkyrie, Valkyrie is you know, uh, an Aryan wet dream. <laughs> She's blonde, uh, blonde version of Thor. I mean, that's, that's essentially what – that's how she was drawn, and if you go into – Norse mythology, I mean, that's what one would, con- would perceive that person to look like, that character to look like. But this is Marvel's interpretation of Norse mythology. Um, and also, uh, well, I guess, that, I guess, and also the death threats, like what, that, what comes with that. What, are your, what, what do you think about this whole deal? Let's go to, uh, let's go to, to Claire and then Kirk. Um, it's just par for the course. Sadly, you know, 
I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure uh, Idris got some flack when he took on, you know, the role of Heimdall. Um, it was very public, you know, the harassment that uh, that Zendaya was getting when it was hinted that she was going to be MJ. Um, it's unfortunately just, I, and they know that they're not stupid. These these actors have been around the block and they know what's going on, and they know that that's what's going to happen as soon as they say yes, you know, to these roles, to these roles that are not, you know, that are not either neutral or that are not inherently meant to be black. So as soon as you start stepping on, you know, on these these other characters, especially like these legacy characters, you know, whatever, people start freaking out. People start, you know, becoming enraged by it. And it's just, you know, I, I look at it case by case, you know. I look at it from each each angle and depending on who they cast and the type of tone and how it's introduced. Because at some point, at some point, we just have to accept it, right? We will get past it. I know that it's easier to to do that when the product overall is enjoyable, when it's quality, right? But if the movie is garbage, if the movie sucks, then you really, it's so hard to maintain the argument and make your case, hence Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four, you were already on this kind of trepidatious, you know, justification as to why you would cast Michael B. Jordan to play uh, to play Johnny Storm, you know, to be Sue's, you know, stepbrother. And then to, again, have the turnaround go against, defy the assumption that, that he's adopted. No, no, it's she's adopted into this black family. So there were so many, you know... <laughs> So many turnarounds and and trying to flip the script and I get it. Listen, I get it. I'm all about trying to be progressive and think outside the box and to subvert. I love that word. Subvert expectations. I'm all about that. But the issue is is that if you're gonna do that, then you have to work ten times as hard to sell the story altogether in order for us to be able to digest it, in order for it to be you know, easier to swallow for the people that were angered by it. But because the movie was so terrible, all it did was just add another bit of fuel to the fire as to why the execution and the decisions on this movie were just flawed, you know, from get-go, right? Now, look at something else, and suddenly people are kind of a little bit more open to it. They're looking at it with different eyes, a different perspective. Jason Momoa as Arthur Curry. Why is it that that seems to be more digestible? Why is it that people are not so outraged and angry? Well, A, because the character hasn't been established that much in film. B, the character in general has never really gotten that much respect, you know? He's been clowned a bit in certain circles. And C, and C, it is absolutely foreseeable that this 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 guy, you know, who we're not going to focus on the fact that he's what talking to fish or whatever. No, we're gonna we're we're gonna really 
we got to make him a badass, right? We've got to make him a badass. And so why not hire someone who looks the part, who looks tough, who looks exotic, who has within his own ethnicity, his culture, a lot of, you know, gods and goddesses, you know, tied to the, to the ocean, tied to the power of, of water. So this only makes sense, right? So I don't, I don't know. In terms of, you know, what, what Tessa is saying, death threats and the ugliness of it all, I'm, unfortunately, unfortunately, that's just the world that we live in right now, still, still. And she knows that. She knew what she was signing on for. Yeah, you know, um, my my thing about this though is, um, well, first of all, I I appreciate that she got the gig, and I and I understand, you know, we, we all understand the, the the need to have uh, some these characters to be interpreted honorably, but you know, trying to explain to folks that are on this bandwagon, this is, I have to defer to Claire when she came when she mentioned the the default position that. That uh, whiteness, whiteness has always been uh, the standard. So if you represent the standard, then and you if you represent the standard and your race has never really been put out there or acknowledged, then it's easy to see chess pieces being moved because there's enough that you're you're ethereal, you're part of the landscape. So it's not going to affect you in totality. But when you're dealing with a character of color, whether it's an Asian character, let's say, especially uh, in the case of uh, the uh, Hellboy film that's coming, and that character was, was meant to be, I believe, of Japanese descent, you only have so many Japanese characters. You only have so many Asian characters or black characters or Latin characters. We're not part of the, we're not part of the landscape. So it it is a problem, and, and something I want to talk about, and I guess I could throw it in, throw it in this conversation, that with the trailers, they have a trailer for the New Mutants, and Cecilia Reyes. I remember reading that character many years ago, and I appreciated the character. This is again, I guess you know, uh, I, I, I something was in me when I read it because I I looked at a brown skin, she had a braid, and she was clearly Afro Latina. I was able to kind of, I said, wow, that's pretty cool. I got into it right away. Now, all of a sudden, I believe Rosario Dawson was connected to that character, but now, uh, for whatever reason, she had to leave that. So they went to a fairer-skinned Latina uh, to portray a role that, in the comic book, she's clearly drawn as a person of African-Latin extraction, clearly. So... um, so it's not a, that character is not a landscape character, but Thor, Valkyrie, Captain America—I mean, <laughs> I can go on and on. That those characters are part of the landscape. I mean, it, to, to the white listener, I mean, the bottom—the the, the, the issue is—is is that uh, you are a victim of your own success. You represent everybody. You're the default, but they don't want to hear that. So they can't even handle uh, Tessa being Valkyrie. Valkyrie's supposed to be blonde. It is what it is. Uh, Cap, any thoughts on the all-female Avengers and 
you know, that proposal, how will it work? Shouldn't it, shouldn't it be kind of a no-brainer? I mean, I, I look, listened to that, and I said, wow, that's kind of – that just makes sense. Well, I'm interested to see. As long as the movie's well done, you know, I'm interested to see it. You know, definitely interested to see it. Makes sense, given the climate now. And it may have made sense even years ago. You know, but again, men run the industry. So the dollars have to make sense entirely. It's not about doing the right thing. Let's get away from that and how things should be versus how it is. You know, they feel more or less it can make some dollars now, so it's going to come out. That's just what it is. That's how, that's how the game works. Everybody shut up, your butt hurts, and everything else. Remember, I'm disruptive by nature. You know, all that other stuff, all, all that other stuff that we were talking about, as far as the characters and everything, let's see how I should do it. Should I go with a Sammy Sosa-style type black, or should I go with... Uh, you mean purple? I'm just... I'm just... Uh, <laughs> I'm just... A human he was looking like a Oompa Loompa. Yeah, there you go. You know, uh, let me just let me just go with just the human. It's just, it's just, what does it matter, people? You know, just make the movie well done. You know, the characters and all those stuff. We're all human. We're all the same. None of that matters. You know, it's like the movie Equilibrium. You know, none of that stuff matters, man. Just make the movie nice. You know. Now we go with the Sammy Sosa effect. You understand? Well, you know. I'm really a white guy, Afro-American. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, we can see you. We can see yeah. you. No, you can't. Yeah. No, man. What are you talking about, man? Skin is white. Okay. Hair is curly. What are you talking about? Okay. You, you, you going to give the Waka Flocka answer white. now? You, are you yeah, Waka Flocka now? Character's white, man. You know, hey. We all see that on the street. You're white. No, but listen. You, you know, I mean, I, I'm the last guy that goes into like racial discussions part. <laughs> But I, I will confess. I think you're the first guy, Apple Alert. I think no, you're the first no. guy. Let's stop playing games. No, you know? but listen. On this show, it's always racial. You're the first guy. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't always that way, even though it's called Afro Nerd. Uh, you know. But I, I will. I do think it's a problem that, um, and Claire's got gotten into this as well, that they do come up with people that they perceive to be acceptable looking, in quotes, and for, somehow a person, a person that. Again, the character was drawn as an attractive, brown-skinned, curly-haired or kinky-haired African-Latina woman. Clearly. So, and we see, listen, it becomes equally problematic because even when you tell, think of the telenovelas, uh, even how it works in Mexico and, 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 in, and these, um, these Latin, Spanish-speaking countries, even they play that game when they prefer the Euro standard. Uh, for their TV and movie world, that that's you know it, it, you can't get you can't catch a break is what I'm saying. Drawn a certain way, and now you come with the acceptable version for TV. I should say for uh, for the movies. That's a problem, I think. I'm just saying. I know when there's effery afoot. I know when there's effery afoot. That's all. No, I hear what you're saying, and I I think I've had. I've taken issue with that myself. I, I, for years, for years, Hollywood was so enamored. I would look on the breakdowns, the character breakdowns for when they put out something that they want to cast, you know, roles that they want to fill potentially for, you know, small bit parts, series regular, whatever, whatever. And 
in terms of having any semblance of color, POC, WOC, anything, they were so enamored with the term ethnically ambiguous because ultimately they don't want you to obviously be black and they don't want you to be obviously Asian. They want the mixed. They want the, they love mixed. I'm telling you, it's, you see it everywhere, especially with commercials, especially in the, you know, the early days of, um, of CW and before that WB, you know, they, they, they want to have their cake and eat it, too. They want to be able to say, oh, look, we're so liberal. We are so progressive. We're hiring diversity, uh, you know, actors. We're, we're, we're checking off that box, right? But at the same time, they don't want to scare away the white folks. They don't want to alienate the white folks, you know. They don't want to put anything too, too threatening, too much, too over the top to make them feel like, you know, we're taking over, right? Even though we have such a small piece of the pie, they're so easily scared and skittish and threatened if we infringe upon their 99% of the pie. So when I hear people getting mad that, oh, well, that's not right, that, you know, you, you made Ed Skrine feel guilty and, and quit Hellboy. You know, that's not right. What about, you know, what about Idris Elba? And what about, you know, Tessa Thompson? What about Zendaya? What about the the, uh, the girl that played um, Liz, you know, the, the love interest on right. Spider-Man? Like, you know, what about all this? And you, you, you're going to hear a lot of excuses. But, again, in in relation to how many actors there are, how many stories are told, and how many are the lead character, it is nothing. It is a drop in the bucket. But they're still going to get mad. They're still going to freak out and be pissed off, you know? So I, you know, I, don't, I just, I don't even care anymore. I don't even care. It just, I, I'm hoping that that changes. I'm seeing some of it change very slowly. But the, at the end of the day, if they're going to have people of color, it's only going to be a little bit of color. Because you just said it. You said it yourself, that if they code as white, then they can cheat the system. They can cheat the system by saying, oh, well, we did hire this actress. She does have some Cuban heritage, but visually, visually, she looks white. So they can cheat the system. They can have it both ways. Well, it also goes to show you just how how uh, far the tolerance the tolerance game goes. That if it's even if it's a, if it's a lighter complected African American uh, actor or actress, or whatever, I, I usually don't get that deep into it. For, for, for me, we don't play Plantation Olympics. There we but, go. <laughs> no, no, I'm not gonna tell you. But but it, but it goes to show you that even they really don't want you. They really don't want you under any circumstances. So this is like an appeal. But I, I think that all, all um, uh, palettes or what, what am I trying to say? All spectrums, whether within the Asian diaspora, the African diaspora, everyone has to be has to be shown. I don't have any issue with that. But if the character was a certain way, like what what like. 
there's some shenanigans going on, clearly. That's, that's really my issue. You could tell when someone says, well, let's just go in this direction because it would be. Well, we saw that with, um, with Issa Rae. Issa Rae, when she came up with Awkward Black Girl, well, even though we, you know, even that has changed to me. To me, I'm not really into the insecure thing. I'm not. A, I'm not an insecure bandwagon. But some folks seem to like insecure. But when she was, um, when she was actually pushing for uh, awkward black girl, I think HBO said, "Well, does she have to be black? Can she be?" <laughs> as, crazy. It's crazy. And then they went into, "Does she have to? Can she be? Can she be lighter skinned?" They told her that. I mean, it's, it's her story. I mean, it's cra- it is really crazy. Any, just any way to escape it from being – I mean, there's been a lot of this. Does, she, does he or she, does, does the character have to be black? Like, you, you pitch an idea. This is very much a Hollywood trope. You pitch an idea, the character is black. Then the Hollywood execs will tell you, well, does he or she have to be black? And I'm pretty sure that we see this. Clearly, there's an Asian version of that as well. Does he have to be Asian? Does he have to be? That, that's, it's just they like the idea, even even if the even if the idea has gotten some ground on the internet. Even when we saw that with uh, with Avatar, the, not 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 of course uh, the Cameron Avatar, but the av- other Avatar. The Avatar was gangbusters popular, the animated series with Asian and Inuit characters. It became a hit because of the, because of the ethnic, the ethnic the ethnic um, views, the ethnic depiction. But when it came down to your close up, mostly white cast, with an Asian director, mind you. I don't know. This is Hollywood. That's Hollywood. <clears throat> I'm done. I'm done. I'm like Claire now. I'm done. It, it, it's crazy. It really is absurd. At the end of the All day, right, just to be disruptive, the most educated nationality are the Nigerians, the darkies. So there you go. They don't want that either. Just to be disruptive. Just to be disruptive. About this. They don't want. They don't. They don't want you to know that either. <laughs> Listen, you can't have dark skin, dark skin, uh, cogitation going on. That is disruptive. That the matrix would be. That that. Uh, Listen, this is why uh, you have Trump thro- throwing towels at Puerto Ricans. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Crazy. That's where we are right now. Crazy. It is crazy. If Obama conducted himself like that, please. If they, if Obama acted anywhere anywhere like this guy, let me tell you, <laughs> you have me going off tangent. But that's that's the that's why we, we're complaining about this other stuff because it's feeding into it. Let's, let's go into something real quick, briefly. I, this is like on the other side of the spectrum in a way. Shows you where we are, because we have the minstrels to deal with, too. Um, Eminem, I'll be real, real quick with this. Uh, I liked Eminem's performance at the BET Hip Hop Awards. Now, I didn't see the awards in the true sense. I mean, I can't handle that. It's, it's uh, Mantan Moreland. It's Al Jolson. I mean, it, it, that's what it is. It, it's new, neo-minstrelsy. The, the the talent of hip hop from decades ago was just completely gone. That's another element in the game also with what we're talking about is that even when you do get some kind of entertainment by folks of color, oftentimes, not all the time, oftentimes it's so controlled 
that even if they have the color element there, it's going to be depowered, feminized, or of a minstrel nature. So you have Eminem, who is a talented lyricist. You can't take anything away from this man. We can say Elvis is, is, effect, is in effect. We can say um, Pat Boone, you know, going back into the late 50s, Pat Boone did his version of Tutti Frutti. I would, I would advise the audience, if you can stand it, if you see Pat Boone performing <laughs> Tutti Frutti, you've got to see clearly. Like, it's, 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 it's crazy that we all know Little Richard, how he gets down. Right, Little Richard was Prince before Prince. Little Richard had a whole different skill set when he performed Tutti Frutti. And then you see Pat Boone. Uh, in all respect to Eminem, Eminem is clearly not Pat Boone. Not even in the yeah, same universe. About to say that. There you go. Thankfully, he's not. Okay, He's the real deal. But what makes it very, very uh, disturbing for me is that Eminem was the blackest person on the BET Awards. I said it. Eminem was the blackest person on the Eminem Awards. I mean, Eminem, on the BET Awards. She might, as well, might as well have been called the Eminem Awards. He gave this, this rant that news media, oh, well, rant freestyle, anti-Trump. I, I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't bother to, to, to capture the audio. I, I, didn't, I didn't want to go into it. Uh, the Oracle, for those longtime listeners of the show, they know the Oracle is my, is my dad who was a tan- tangential producer of the show. He's always giving me ideas, giving us ideas. He, he didn't necessarily care for it because it was a little bit, of, little bit vulgar. And I told my father, I said, listen, I hear you that he was vulgar. I mean, he's always been vulgar. But I'm going by what he was saying. The gravity and the importance of what he was spitting lyrically we have a whole hip-hop genre, corporate genre, mind you. Now, we know we play the real deal here, but the corporate genre is so misogynistic, racist. Even though it's black people, it's racist. It's made by black people and racist toward black people. Yeah, I said it. It's so degrading. Cardi B, bloody shoes, all that stuff. Right? Um, that the whole show, how do you explain that you have a whole genre of new corporate hip-hop artists and no one does what Eminem did? Eminem was the blackest performer on a black TV show, although he is Caucasian. That's my feeling. That's it to me. And I, I, and I, I scanned it qu- quickly, and I was done with it. I couldn't see anything. They gave an honor to Luther Campbell. Enough said. I got I got a thing to add to it. How old is Eminem now? Early forties, forty two. Like forty two. Okay. Yeah. What about the other people that were there? How old are they? How old is a Cardi B? Cardi B, I think is well. Listen, she's twenty four. Okay. That adds allegedly. To the allegedly, too. it's a show business. Yeah. It's a show allegedly. business. She could be thirty. Eminem is also coming from. Coming from a certain era. <laughs> Age is a factor here. I don't know about that, man. You know? Age is a factor. It is. Rock Kim was factor, nineteen. Man. Rock Kim was nineteen spitting hot fire. Harris one was twenty. 
I mean, you, you can't. It can't That's just be age. Ten. Age is a factor, man. Age is a factor. You know what I'm saying? Age is a factor. Eminem is tied into that time period. That's what he is. These people are not tied into that time period. That's why age is a factor. Now, well, when listen. Well, explain. Rap, explain when Luther Campbell. You Luther Campbell's time, over fifty. You to come. Luther Campbell's over fifty, and he still has that's I mean, one that's his act. We're talking about. <clears throat> wait a minute. That's one artist, right? And Luther Campbell's not so much relevant right now. All right. Now, so he was relevant back then, and his music was on the side burner. That wasn't that wasn't the top hot stuff. This stuff was on the side burner. The Rock Kims and all that other people, people that was the music then. And you had to sound a certain way at that given time to come through the game. That's what Eminem is tied into. See, I, I disagree you, with you in, in the sense that, you to, let's be honest, back then, the music was so new that it wasn't, they, it, they, didn't, they didn't know the formula yet. Once the formula was, was um, developed or discovered, then they went with this whole gangster. Um, now gangster music is now trap music. Um, yeah, they no, went with the gangster that, music, but they still had the other music. When you when you came through the game at that given time, listen to what Eminem talks about. Those were his artists he tuned into. He didn't tune into those other artists. That's what he tuned into. You see, that's what he tuned into. These artists right now, they don't even talk about none of these people, man. They're tuning into something entirely different, man. But okay, let me let me challenge you on this, and I we rarely do this. I went to Afropunk, and uh, myself and the Uncanny, right? Mm-hmm. Also, the same age group. I mean, actually, it's varied ages, but I mean, it, it's it's at the core millennial, right? They have a a um, what's the word I'm looking for? I mentioned it before. They have a uh, a radical row row or a um, Activist, pardon me, an activist role. Um, you saw uh, Angela Rye there. Uh, you, you, I mean, they have all the code words. You know, no Trumpism, no uh, no transphobia, uh, like all that stuff going on. They have the whole a whole different section kind of music devoted. Different kind of music. Different kind of no, music. No, but, but we're still talking about the age range of people that are. Let's say eighteen, kind of music. eighteen to thirty, and they're still engaged. Either it's the music at Apple, or at Apple Punk, What are the people doing? They're playing instruments, right? A lot of those groups are and, playing instruments. Yeah, yeah right? they're also rapping too, though. Okay, some of them are rapping. True. All right, some of them are rapping. I mean, right? SZA was there rapping. too. SZA was there. Yes. Some of them, but most of those groups, what are they doing? What are they doing? They're playing instruments. They're doing real music. That's what brought you to Afropunk in the first place, real music. You know? So that's something entirely different from this right here. I'll leave it at this. I'll leave it at this. These are the the same lanes that will complain about uh, Trump. They'll complain. You know, we have have Colin Kaepernick. We have have (laughs) Colin Kaepernick. Kneeling, but yeah, listen. You have all these things. The world is. You, know, you have little Kim getting ready to throw bombs. I mean, the, the world is getting ready to get at it. Okay, so the youth are supposed to be engaged. Everything is going down, and, and why isn't your music reflecting 
everything else. It, it, this is the first generation. Listen, the, when you deal with what happened in the 60s and you saw uh, the sit-ins, you saw the flower children, you, you saw the, 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 uh, the anti-Vietnam activists, the music was reflective of the times. You, and, that's, and the music was the soundtrack literally for, for, for how things were to be moving. Okay, Curtis, Curtis Mayfield, James Brown, Joan Baez, um, I, mean, I can go on and on. Richie Havens, all these people. Now we're in the new 1960s. This is the new 1960s for all, for all intents and purposes. It's going down. You can't have the same millennial folks complaining, uh, I, you know, I'm woke and all that stuff going on, but your music is bloody shoes and Percocet over and over again. I mean, it's got to be, I mean, some of it has got to be 60-year-old white men, I had to go there, pulling the strings on this effery. That's, I mean, it's, I, I hear you, I don't disagree with you completely, but I believe, I, just, I can't stand no talent lanes. I know you can't stand no talent. What did they say when we were coming through in the 80s? They said that's the last time any real music was done. That's what they would say. That's one of the reasons why Puffy went to the 80s to blow himself up. He said he went to the 80s. You know? That was it. That was it. I would say it was a little bit longer than that. I would say it went to about maybe 98. But that's what the experts say. They say it's the 80s. After that, that was it. It was done. Not to go off on a tangent. Let's go back to other things. <laughs> yeah, well, I threw it out there. I, we, we, talk about, we do talk, throw about, talk about pop culture. I'm pretty sure people wanted to hear my opinion. Claire, any dogs in this race? Remind me what you're talking about again. See, oh. there you go. <laughs> Time to move. Time to go to the next All right. topic. <laughs> All right. Uh, all right. Okay, I mean, listen, listen. I, I saw the... The uh, the freestyle, and you know it's interesting to see an older Marshall Mathers, aka Eminem. Um, it's interesting to see a white man utter these words with that kind of vitriol. It's interesting to hear you say that the blackest person at the BET Awards was this white guy. I don't know. It's a lot of things. A lot of things are interesting. You know, I remember when when he came out and people were joking. This was like Jay Leno's, you know, best joke of the night of the week. That at the time, the number one rapper in the world was white, and the golfer, and the right. number one golfer in the world was black, aka Tiger Woods. So you know, we're gonna we're gonna see this. We're gonna see these role reversals. We're gonna see this kind of stuff. And I. And, you know, I do happen to think that Cap is onto something with age. Age being a bit of a factor. Not to say that what you mentioned, Rakim, and, and, and you know, even listening to some of the other stuff that uh, Most Deaf and Common and other poets and, and other spoken word artists and, and wordsmiths, not to say that they all had to be really old and mature and of a certain age in order to have some depth in order to be able to reach down and express concerns about what's really going on in our world. 
But I just, we're talking about apples and oranges here. I'm not able to, in any way, first of all, you seem to be a little bit obsessed. I'm just going to throw that out there. I really don't know anything about Cardi B, but you you seem to have some sort of, you know, affinity to 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 want to see what she's doing. I don't know anything about this chick. So, I'm just going to assume that from what I know, there I I can't make a comparison to, from Cardi to Eminem. I don't know how to do that. It just seems like we're, they're in two different lanes. Well, they're oh, trying listen, to appeal is, to two different markets. Well, no, that's not what it is. Let me explain this. Because, listen, Cap and I, were, can, we, we were able to see some of the, the early early uh, hip-hop, right? And, it was, and listen, some of the stuff is more of the same. There, there was, there was, there was uh, crazy, like, nonsense, J.J. Fad, whatever. There was, there was always... Like garbage acts, okay. But they didn't. They didn't like comprise the actual heart of the game. Now we've gotten to the point where the heart of the game is garbage. Like it, there's nothing of anything out there of substance. Not not really. There's a few, but it used to be the, it used to be inverted. It used to be a few sprinkles of garbage acts. I mean, first of all, you you couldn't really be a garbage act without somebody clowning you. The, 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 the hip, there was an actual hip-hop community that would actually say, pre-internet, yo, so-and-so was garbage. Uh, the, the whole rap game was like when Hammer came out. Run DMC, all these people came out and said, yo, this guy is not all that. I mean, now you have to kind of re, you have to rethink that because Hammer can actually dance. If he was an entertainer, blah, 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 blah. But at the time, you were called out when you were clearly not ready for prime time. Those days are over. And all I'm saying is, for Cardi B, Cardi B, uh, this goes back to when there was actually a, a certain number of female women artists. Without You didn't have to take your clothes off. You could be MC Light, keep it dignified, and just rap like the guys. You could be Queen Latifah. You could, you, 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 I could see, I know when there's a game going on. I know when I'm being gamed. You you should be able to keep your clothes on, and I'm the I'm the I'm the reptilian guy saying this. I would prefer to see. I, I don't need to see like Cardi B as she's essentially the the lone female rap voice who's half naked. What part of the game are we in now? This should not be acceptable to women. I I don't Everybody's know if I quiet. agree with that statement. I don't know if I agree with that statement. I don't know anything about her. I don't know anything about her. So for her, in your words, to be the lone female rapper, you know, representing and just showing her ass or whatever it is that you think that she's doing. No, she is. She's a stripper. First of all, she is not the only one. She is not the only one. It's getting good. It's getting good. (laughs) I can come up with a dozen people, not necessarily just in the rap game, not necessarily black, you know, and not even necessarily a musician of any sort, but that, that's not unheard of to be, to be just showing all the naughty bits, just giving away all your Christmas cookies, 
to be able to attain that level of attention. For however long you're able to sustain it, don't judge people for selling their soul. Just ignore them. Ignore them. Don't give them your time. Don't give Listen. them your, your your voice and your power. And you're you're just like, I know it's it's it seems wrong. It seems wrong. But this is not a meritocracy. This is not a meritocracy. It is not about talent. It's just not. It's just not. In terms of okay. the music industry, the, 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 you know, the acting world, directing, writing, how many times have we seen people who really are just, it's all smoke and mirrors. I mean, they have found a way to be masters of illusion, fooling people into thinking that they're about something, but we all know that they're not. And yet they keep working, and yet they keep producing Okay, so I I understand what you're saying. I'm not disagreeing in terms of, you know, what the ire, the ire with which you have towards people like that and why it's it's just so frustrating that them and, and even up to the levels of our president, certain behavior that we were taught is not the way to live your life with dignity. We were taught that, but now it seems like, Everyone's being rewarded for that nonsense. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's not right. It's not right. And I do think that, yeah, there is something that kind of raised my eyebrow as well, seeing Eminem, you know, so staunchly, you know, expressing himself on behalf of a lot of angry black people, even though he himself is not. So I, I, I get it. I get That's it. That's debatable. But you have I think, to ignore I think he her. Him. Go ahead. He likes ignore it. I'm calling Ignore that. It. <laughs> ignore her. Because she's not the first, and she certainly won't be the last. Well, well listen, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go fully, fully into this, but I, this is where, the, this is where it, it becomes problematic, Claire. And you may not be aware of this, but maybe you, maybe you do. Is that Cardi B is kind of being exalted. Because of the because there aren't enough, there really isn't enough female hip hop representation right now. Now I know the artists, but I will play them. I will play Jean Grey. Jean Grey is a blur. Jean Grey is an excellent lyricist, but Jean Grey is not going to sh- show her behind. And it, and and in the early days of of uh, hip hop, where it where there wasn't a rule as to how many uh, female hip hop artists they had to be, it just seems to be weird to me that there was a transition point from women wearing clothes and being like the guys to now you have to take your clothes off and do the sexual thing to get attention where it wasn't like that. And then when you think of someone like uh, Lauren Hill, who is a full musician, who I saw at Afropunk, she's a little wacky and that's like a personal issue. But as far as her talent, she was the last artist that gained recognition of the Cardi B kind. And they made that connection. They said that essentially Cardi B is the new, <clears throat> pardon me, in quotes, the new Lauren Hill because of her positioning. Lauren Hill wow. in '98. That's that's why I'm that's why I'm that's what I'm getting at. Lauren Hill was that female artist representation. Look what look where we look how far we've dropped. That now we're not even allowed to have someone actual talent. Who keeps her clothes? I mean, something. This is a controlled situation. 
I could tolerate Cardi B. I might even like Cardi B if there was balance. But it can't be. We, we what is that? The the white artists. I'd go go to race. White folks are allowed to be dignified and be and be foddish and be skanky. Now the only lane for for minority women is the skank thing. And there was an article about that also. Gina Eco, uh, uh, what's her face? Uh, Rihanna. All these people are doing this 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 thought thing. I'm using street terminology. They're, they're doing the slut walk. Now, why why what is it about a woman? Now, people have preached to me about Wonder Woman. Uh, why can't she be with her clothes off and be dignified and all that? Well, hey, you know what? I agree. There needs to be different. There needs to be. There could be a multiplicity of of depictions of women. Not in hip hop. Not right now. You had more progressive depictions of women in hip hop 30 years mm-hmm. ago. Not anymore. Now you got to show that ass. I hate to be that blunt, but that's where it's going. And it's been that way. And I think I think it's a controlled situation. And I know and I have played current hip hop by women that keep their clothes on, but it will not make the radio. That means somebody is is making a decision. That's that's what bothers me. I'm just I just. But it should also bother you that there is a level of being complicit. Like if that is the game, then why is it that all these people are so willing to jump on the bandwagon and and perpetuate it? Yeah. yeah. Well, I you personally say that. understand what you're saying. I I personally don't don't find the appeal of things being too too sexual. You know, I'm not interested in seeing girls trying to, you know, hold themselves out and then try to look me in the eye and say that they're empowered. Yes, thank you. I understand. That's my point. That's I my point. I got you. It's, it's, it's not right. It's not right. But at the same time, it's like I can't, I just can't even, you know, I can't even give my time to that or my energy. Honestly, I didn't even know who the hell she was until you you started posting all these links. I was like, who? What? No, and big. now you're telling me that she's being compared to Lauren Hill? Yes. As far as record sales and level of importance, she's the new – for all intents and purposes, she's being positioned as the new Lauren Hill because of her, 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 her success. That's a problem. That's a problem. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Let's 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 move things forward because you kind of you kind of tipped into, uh, you kind of tipped into an area of my feelings on Weinstein. We got 15 minutes remaining, so we'll try to figure out how to talk because that that's like a whole show almost. We spoke about um, Harvey Weinstein, Miramax, uh, super producer, God, according to um, what was the actress? Ah, uh, why can't I think of her name? Well-known actress, like the actress. I can't, but she, she referred to Weinstein as God. Now she doesn't think that. Uh, miraculously. Hmm. Miraculously. A- after you got about four or five Academy Awards. Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep referred to. But Meryl Streep also said that she, she could take the place of people of color, too. But we'll, 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 I don't even want to go there. I don't even want to go there with her. She said some slick stuff before about diversity. <laughs> All female, all white female panel in Germany, and she said, "Oh, we can talk about diversity. I'm, I'm a white woman. I can talk about diversity. You know that, right? She, she's she's on that effery. So, so what you said about 
in my opinion, with this, because this thing is going to open up a whole can of worms. Everybody's getting busted now. I don't know. I don't. Matter of fact, you are in Hollywood. You're in this profession. What do you think is going? What do you think is going to happen with this Weinstein thing? Nothing, or is it just going to break wide, op- wide open? It's going to. There's going to be a feeding frenzy. I, I can see right now. What What are your impressions of that? Of what's happening? Harvey Weinstein takedown. Well, you know, it's just interesting. It's just interesting because in terms of really how far this goes back, and we're talking about thirty years, okay. And now these people are just coming out of the woodwork, you know. It's now. just it's just like with with because Cosby, one mm-hmm. after another after another. All of a sudden, it's like, yeah, he got me in the office in 1985. Oh yeah, he got me on the set of this movie in 1994. He got, I mean, it's crazy. And the thing is, is that it's so it runs so deep because he's got his tentacles so, you know, so much you know within the 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 Hollywood game that everybody is now feeling the heat. Ben Affleck feeling the heat, you know. Even Jason Momoa, they dug up something on him from a few years ago, and he had to apologize. You know, everybody is is getting some blowback on this, you know. And now we got the the CEO, you know, uh, Amazon. You know, he's being suspended until further notice. I mean, I mean, it's a free for all. It is a free for all. Everybody's going down. Now, do I think that this is going to be forever? We already talked about this last week. No, I really don't. I'm too cynical. I've seen people, you know, get knocked down a peg and then rise up again. So, yeah, he's going to be a pariah for sure for a minute, all right? But that doesn't mean he's totally down and out. That doesn't mean he's totally down and out. We'll see him, you know, bounce back at some point. You know, I don't know when, and I don't really know how, but for right now, it's it's hot. It's it's cooking. It's percolating. We just got people from all over the world, talking about from like the 1980s, 1990s, saying that he raped me, he grabbed me, he did this, he did that. I mean, it's just, it's insane. You know, it's just all starting to unravel. Well, well you know, I got to say this. I see our friend Sergio is going to chime in. I got to bring him in. I got to say, I got to say this quick before we bring him in. Um, the Hollywood casting couch has been around since the inception of uh, of Hollywood, since the silent movie days. And what irks me a little bit about this, and I, I would never a woman being raped. I mean, that's like, you know, that's like, it's it's criminal. It's vile. No one is trying to co-sign that. But outside of that, if you, are, if you are getting down in this business and you're going in knowing that this is a kind of a, a prevalent, this is, this is a, a, a quid pro quo kind of thing, I mean, I just feel like sexuality can be bartered and has been bartered between the sexes in this environment. And I, I, I just I have a hard time believing that these folks are coming coming in decades later, making these claims like of of like bad behavior. Like in other words, uh, if you know the bad behavior is there, like even with the audio, which is the audio was this is disgusting of this yeah, Colombian model. The audio model. is pretty damning, pretty damning. But it's it's more pathetic. 
like in other and was there ever a moment she was in danger? Like in other words, my issue is when she said I don't feel comfortable, then get the f up and leave. There's no, there was no in, in, there's no indication she couldn't just with her body just leave. Now, if you're trying to stick around because you're trying to balance what can I get from this dude without having to put out and that kind of thing, that's where you get me. Because I'm feeling that I am not the, the average person who has integrity, who doesn't care about money, who's not concerned about trying to get something for someone. Is what the behavior? Well, let me finish. Once the once the once the behavior once the behavior is 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 in your face, like this guy is is not the right person. I'm out. I leave. I go. Sticking around because you're trying to appeal to this guy or get him to act right. I mean, I, I'm, I'm confused on that. Either you leave or you don't leave. You have what, to understand. Is... You have to understand that while, while I have been in situations like this many a time, many a time, and I, I'm at the point now, you know, and you saw my video. Mm-hmm. Sergio saw my video. He even told me as such. He's like, dang, Claire, it's a good thing Weinstein never met you. I was like, hell yeah, because right now, at this point in my life, I can tell you straight up that I wouldn't put up with that garbage. I wouldn't put up with that. I want to swear so much. It's like it's just like it's like crumbled up in my mouth. But you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Now, talk about me when I first came to L.A. I don't know nothing. I don't know nothing. I just turned 21, and I see. A lot of that naivete and just kind of, you know, wide-eyed, bushy-tailed. I saw, I saw a lot of that at the, at the strip club, you know, when I was hostessing and I would, like, babysit these naked girls and these drunk guys. And I would see a lot of nonsense going on. And I would try to, you know, I'm trying to talk to them. I'm trying to, I'm trying to tell them a little something about the world. But they're kids. They're kids, okay, 19, 20. They don't know nothing. They want to look at me like, oh, yeah, what do you know? And I was like, I'm, you, honey, you don't even realize how much older I am, but that's okay. That's okay. You, you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. I'm just going to step aside because I can't keep watching this happen over and over again. It's just too heartbreaking. It's too upsetting because I've been there. I know what it's like to be young and stupid, to be young and desperate. Thinking, oh, okay, well, if I, you know, if I really make a good impression with this producer, you know, that maybe I can get an audition for this big role coming up on this feature that I really want, whatever, 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 right? Now, the me that I am right now, I have so little tolerance for BS. Don't touch me, okay? Don't even think about it. You're either going to accept me for my ability to, to, to be able to, to play this role or not. I'm not down for all those other games, trying to go to your hotel room, trying to meet you after hours. No, right? But but I will say that I probably was that stupid and naive. And years ago, yeah, I was probably making dumb choices, thinking that maybe this might help me further along because everybody's telling me it's not about what you know it's about who you know it's about networking 
It's about making that rapport and those connections with people in positions of power. That is what they drill into you all the time when you're trying to make it. When you're trying to say that, yeah, I want to I wanna get into the Hollywood game, I want to be an actor, I want to be a performer, I want to really, you know, make something of myself, that's what they drill into you. And if you're young and inexperienced, then you believe that this is my way in. This is the only way that I can't, I can't piss this guy off. I can't piss him off because he'll blacklist me. He'll make it to where I'll never work in this town again. Hold on, Claire. Okay, got, so got, listen, got, I understand that you're right. You know, a mature woman, come on, get, get some sense, right? That's, I, I get that notion. I understand your instinct. Get some sense into you. If you're uncomfortable, get your ass out of there, right? But a lot of these, a lot of these young ingenues, when they were first starting out in their careers, they're like 20 years old. They don't know nothing. They think that this is their golden ticket. And they can't piss him off. And it's Hold awkward. On. It's uncomfortable that you don't want to talk oh. bad about somebody that you know could, like, could totally make it to where you never, never work in this town again, that nobody takes your phone calls. Do you understand? Claire, we, we got about five minutes, so hold on. Now it's getting hot. Uh, I got to get Sergio's piece, and then we're going to have to close shop. We're going to have to revisit this again. Serge from Chi-Town, Shadow and Act, folks, Shadow and Act. You're, you're in Hollywood game also, sir. What are your, your opinions? Well, very quickly, uh, uh, Harvey Weinstein is finished. He's been thrown out of the uh, Academy as a member. First time I think they've ever done that. Uh, the studio has announced that their big Thanksgiving film, The Current War, where Benedict Cumberbatch plays Thomas Edison, that has been pulled um, nobody knows what's going to happen with that picture. The company was already sinking already. It was practically almost on the verge of bankruptcy already. Uh, this is not going to help it. Uh, and why would they even keep the Weinstein name? It's poison now. Um, I, I don't see him releasing anything, even though they claim they have a Paddington 2 movie coming out in January. I don't see him releasing anything unless, of course, he changed the, the, the name of the company. Um, now even his brother, Bob Weinstein, has now publicly said that, you know, he was abused as a kid, physically abused by his kid, oh, by his right. own brother. Everybody's turning against him. Uh, his career is over, but here's the problem. He's not the only guy. Of course not. Um, I can name you people. Brian Singer, you're the X-Men guy. Oh, yeah, we There's know about been, that guy. Many stories about him. How about Roland Emmerich? Uh, a lot of stories about him. Uh, so, you know, just throwing out Weinstein isn't going to solve the problem. And, and pretending that now everything is okay and copacetic, everybody has learned, because this guy, this, Weinstein has now become the symbol. See, we clean, we clean house, folks. It's okay now. The whole problem Fine. has been resolved. Uh, not... There's no way it's been resolved. There are too many people. There are too many things going on. I think about what um, uh, Corey Feldman said recently. Uh, He was laughed at when he talked about the pedophilia in the business. And now he's saying, see, folks, this is why I've been telling you all along. I was laughed at. But this stuff goes on, and it still keeps going on in the business. So, yeah, okay, you got rid of one guy. But what are you going to do about it? 
Well, like I said, uh, Sergio, this goes back to the twenties. This goes back to exactly. the early in, the early inception. I mean, the whole the whole notion of the Hollywood casting couch couch has been has been lore for a hundred years. And now, right. like, I mean, now, look, now, I mean, now uh, Weinstein basically is the proof that we that we needed going back a hundred years ago. Really? Yeah. I mean, look, th- this whole thing. Uh, Louis B. Mayer, Jack Warner. Harry Cohen, uh, Harry Cohen of Columbia, who was a monster. Daryl Zandig of Fox. Daryl Zandig had a rule that at 4 o'clock every day he had sex with an actress or somebody in his office. He, people were known, don't disturb Mr. Zandig at, five o'clock, at 4 o'clock because he's in consultations. He's having a meeting. Well, I mean, well, this look, stuff goes on, has gone on well, forever. Weinstein and Lindley thought that he could on, continue the, the continue the uh, the custom. Well, even we're hearing that uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon are, have been essentially enablers to Weinstein, where there was one woman that I guess was a personal friend of theirs, and they had to intervene, saying, "No, not her, Harvey. Not not this one." Now what's that about? Yeah, that, say, I also, because, I don't hold on, believe. Hold on, sir, hold on, sir, hold on, sir. So for someone to say not this one means that well we allow the effery for all the other ones, but this is our homegirl, so you got we got to protect her. I mean that's just, it's 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 a bunch of crap. It's crazy. Yeah, that's why I don't believe you know Meryl Streep, um, who's full of it anyway, who's always been a fraud, claiming all these actors claim they didn't know. Meryl Streep didn't know really. All this time you didn't know? What about all these other actresses? All of, all of a sudden, nobody knows. And here's the ironic thing. You have um, Kate Winslet, you know, criticizing all her bad experiences with Harvey Weinstein. And guess who's the director of her new movie coming out this Christmas? Wonder Wheel, Woody Allen. <laughs> you know? Okay. I mean, I, I'm done. See I, see, I hear Claire. I hear Claire's passion. But my problem is you have quite a few women that got a number of Oscars in their cabinets that they oversaw that effery. They tolerated it to get what they want. Outside of actual rape, I'm with you, okay? Well, if it's rape, no way. But if it's like, okay, I'm going to make a decision that I might regret, but I'm, you know, I mean, come on. No, 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 no. At some point, you can't, you, you can't be a professional victim at some point. You come back 30 years later, and then you uh, – Meryl Streep had to be told, oh, oh, yeah, I think I better, I better straighten out now. You know, they, they come on. She had to be told oh, well, to be. Well, well look at Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton well, took her a week before she announced it. The Gee, Obamas. You think it's the Obamas? <laughs> oh yes, it, people, okay. The Obamas people, are compromised because their daughter, people, their daughter worked for Harvey Weinstein my, as an assistant. My point uh, is, my point is that people will tolerate, we're going into the podcast, uh, Kirk, I know Kirk is, is pissed off, <clears throat> the passion, five minutes and we're shutting this down. Um, my problem is you cannot tolerate effery for your own personal gain. And then when, it, when it's called out, now you have a conscience. That's what bothers me the most. The Merle Streep's, you called, you called Harvey Weinstein God. Now God got caught with his pants down, and now, oh, yeah, yeah, that was wrong, though. Really? 
Well, you sitting well, on millions of dollars. Well, my comments were specifically geared towards towards these these victims that are trying to come forward. That's what I was trying to say in terms of understanding where they might why, where they might be coming from. Now, in terms of people that are stepping forward and using the same terminology, oh, this is disgusting. This oh, is please. aberrant behavior. This is appalling. I'm shocked. Yeah, I'm on board with what you're saying. That they're full of it. They're full of it. They were all complicit. They all knew. They all knew. So, yeah, in terms of that, in, in terms of trying to speak up and, and, and stand by, you know, these, these victims, now that it's okay, now that you have the green light to do so after the article was posted, yeah, I hear you. That is BS because they all knew. They all knew. In terms of the victims that are, are you know, going – going through the, the motions of trying to share their story. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm conflicted about it. I'm, I have mixed feelings about somebody trying to tell me something that happened 30 years ago. But at the same time, I have to be somewhat empathetic, knowing that at one point in my life and in my struggle to, to, to get into the Hollywood game, that I've probably done some dumb things as well, you know? But there's hypocrisy everywhere. Rose McGowan, who's getting a lot of praise now for being the strong feminist, oh, who spoke out, uh, who spoke out about uh, um, Harvey Weinstein and all this stuff, isn't she the same woman who defended v Victor Salva? Victor Salva, who directed the Jeeper Creeper movies, and Powder is a convicted sex of child sex abuser. Spent time in prison for that. How come she? Well, she defended him. Listen, people you defended. Know, people defended Roman Polanski because people still defend a, Roman Polanski. If men at men and a fair share of women defended this guy for for raping and drugging a thirteen year old girl. I don't. I don't have this nuance when it comes down to morality. So, you know, I see enough women. They will excuse a lot of effery if they get what they want. And that's my problem: is you, you either you are either you're on the morality train or you're not. And you don't come. Well, don't, just, don't, you know, don't, don't we're just saying this is hypocrisy. There's hypocrisy everywhere. It's in Hollywood. It's in politics. On, don't discover. Don't discover Jesus in the late night hour. That's my problem. You discover Jesus now that the coast is clear and everybody's jumping in. That's the problem I have. Go ahead, sir. And also one thing, too, is that I hate to say this, but if we put um, a morality clause to everybody, to movies that we watch and people who are involved in them, we wouldn't be seeing anything. I mean, you look at the story of Charlie Chaplin and oh. what he did. You know, this is a guy who got his second wife pregnant when she was 14 years old. Um, Charlie Chaplin's life story is absolutely notorious. You think Weinstein was bad. You ought to be well, about Douglas Charlie Fairbanks Chaplin. Too. Fairbanks Douglas is out Fairbanks. there also. You can look at Errol Flynn. You can yeah. look at a lot of people. And as I said, look at the Hollywood bosses at that time, Zanuck and Warners and Mayer and Harry Cohn. I mean, there were... Awful people at times, and see the same people who created some of the most famous movies, some of the greatest movies ever made. So, um, you know, we're very much here on a slippery slope. But I mean, this is a new day, and I was recently on a podcast talking about this. Okay, I'm not saying that was right back then. What I'm saying now, times are completely different. This is a new day. This is a completely new day. So you can't operate like it's still 1953. 
I, I well, listen, they try, I don't know about that because because you got the the, the man in, in charge that again. This is what this is what makes me my head explode. The man has is on tape grabbing pee. But you voted fifty fifty four percent of white women voted him in and then put on put have T shirts saying that it's all good. You can grab me anytime. See that that more that ambi- ambiguity makes me go insane. The, well, the no, man in charge. Call, you the can man also in say charge, stupidity. Now, I can't listen, I can't go into stupidity all the time. I think people want what they want and they will excuse certain behavior. We will excuse a lot if we really want something. We we will excuse murder if we want something. That's what I'm getting at. That's what that's what bothers me about this. And and you saying 1953? Well, there's people who want to make America great again. I think we're going <laughs> backwards. I think we're going backwards. That's all. I'm, that's all I'm saying is that I'm seeing a lot of 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 gray areas and phoniness when it comes down to this. I I, I believe in legitimate victims. You know, people who have been raped, who have been molested. Who but but when you walk into a situation, when you walk into the, into the lion's den And it says on top Lion's den You, you lose me You lose me I mean you get You know You gotta take responsibility For some of the decisions That you make All of us have made Bad decisions before Trust me We made bad But I, I live with it I say damn I, I, I messed up I should have known better But I don't go into Like some of these Some of these women Are coming out And you start to listen To their stories Like well it doesn't sound Like rape to me the, the the Colombian woman is like, he she she's the more powerful of the man that has five hundred million dollars. I don't feel comfortable. Leave. You know, but she really she wants something from him. So you're trying to figure out. You try to do the calculations. How do I get what I want? See, like, nah, man. Uh, Monica Lewinsky, and no one talks about this. When Monica Lewinsky was twenty three years old. Is reported that she had full intentions of I want to get my presidential knee pads going on. This is the victim. She said, "I want to be." She knew full and well that she wanted to pursue a middle-aged man in power. She found him attractive, and she she went in, even though she was young. She it was reported even in high school that she wanted to do this. Then later on. When, when things don't feel right, you got you have regrets. But you went in fully, like yo, this is what I'm about. Now that you got to deal with the repercussions of your actions, now you feel differently. That's the the Lewinsky thing. That's that's there are some Lewinskys in Hollywood. That's that's all. That's that's my my only point. Some girls have the the intentions to become play. Playboy centerfolds, and, and and their mothers groomed them for that. Are they victims? What's that? You got nineteen well, old, twenty year old women. There's no way for us to know who the distinction. I mean, we don't know all the details, all the nitty gritty between who actually were victims of of harassment or assault versus the ones that maybe were just gold digging their way to a nice hefty settlement. Yeah, see, that's my you know, problem. I, I, I don't know. I don't know, but I'm not going to make any blanket statement to where I feel like, oh, I have no sympathy for anybody. I have, I'm I have living sympathy. in it. I have sympathy for, 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 for legitimate victims that were molested and that were, that were touched, you know, where 
they couldn't move. I mean, where you don't have any sense okay, of empowerment. Okay, so basically you're saying you really have no sympathy for anybody involved in this particular situation. No, no, I didn't say that. I said that uh, there's claims of rape. I don't. Have, I have no, no. Obviously, I have no. Uh, I have complete empathy for people that have been raped and have been have been molested. But at the same token, I I I, I have problems with people that are trying to gain something from someone they clearly know or they have full, they have full knowledge. Okay. For instance, there's a, there was a joke, uh, and I don't, that, this is how it goes in Hollywood of uh, 30 rock where the, one of the actors, I forgot the, the actress's name, but she made some in the script. There was a joke about, I only had the F Harvey Weinstein three out of five times. Like they made some kind of clear reference to this behavior that was so, such a such a, a well known secret that it was put out there for for fodder and for jokes. I mean, if, if this is such a well known yeah, secret, yeah, but wait a minute, wait a minute, deeper, deeper, know, deeper. You can't. Let me finish my you point. Can't, that means people you know can't, that people know look, what they're walking into. No, no, they no, no. That's not, that's unfair. That's unfair because somebody made a joke on a TV show. I never seen Thirty Rock. I never even saw a single episode. So I didn't even know there were jokes in there. You, if you're trying to insist that all these women knew about all these young women, young, basically a lot of them were naive women, knew that all these stories about Harvey Weinstein because of some joke on Thirty Rock or what Cliff, I mean, what Seth MacFarlane said on the show, that's totally unfair. You know, just like I can't believe that Hillary Clinton didn't know about him. She doesn't run in those Hollywood circles. Yet, I, I still think she was slow in the response. But but just because people are saying that on the TV show means that everybody knew about it. I'm just saying that it, 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 this is what's going out there. They said that this is pretty well known of this guy's behavior. That uh, – you know, listen, I, I've I've been in situations where people told you for, would forecast you. Oh, this person gets down this way. Like you, were, it, it's like so well known. I mean, Hollywood is is a small town. Like it, it seems to be there's certain parties people are aware of, and people will tell you, well, if you want to get that. Listen, my problem is this: there are some. I'm hearing a flood of stories of people who knew full and well, and they were willing to, willing to take that hit to say, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z because it's going to put me on. I don't want to hear from that person, but you might you might hear from that person that might claim to be a victim when they went when they went in knowing full well I'm going to have to uh, degrade myself to move forward. I don't want to hear I don't want to hear you cl- claiming that you were raped if you someone told you yo if you go in that room he's going to bend you over. And you know, we see now, that's unfair because I don't know you. We don't know what that what those women knew. I, I always heard stories about Harvey Weinstein, but not on that level. I mean, how he physically abused people, such as reporters and other people. He was a he was a very physically abusive person. I've always known those stories. I always knew stories about Bill Cosby, even though people didn't believe me. I knew those stories about Bill Cosby, but. Uh, that doesn't say that everybody knew about them. Even if you work in a business, it doesn't mean that everybody knew about them. You said the town is small. Yes, it's not that small. I don't know, man. I, but what I'm hearing is that some of this, the Hollywood casting couch is a hundred-year-old tale. Literally, it's a hundred years old. Yeah. Okay. Now everybody we're gonna, knows now about we're the... feign, Now we're going to feign we don't know about the Hollywood casting couch? No, We don't know about that. Look, Everybody knows. We didn't that, so I said, it. These are young women. He pr- he prayed my 
primarily, not always, on young, you know, ambitious women who were somewhat naive and new to the business. Yes, the casting couch has been around for 100 years. You know, it is, and you know what? I'm not even sure that these women even knew the concept of the casting couch. I'm not sure all of them did. I don't know. All right. I'm, you know, I'm not gonna, I, <laughs> um, well, regardless but, yeah, of whether we, you don't give a crap about these women, which is fine if you think that they're all just a bunch of opportunists, some of them are. I, I, some of them I are, no doubt. That. I didn't say, Claire, I didn't is, say that. I, 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 I think, feel like I think, now oh, things oh, really oh. are changing in terms of the tolerance of being able, of being able to put up with this misogyny. That will no longer be tolerated. You had a good hundred-year run, you know, with this whole nonsense in the film industry. But now, now things are coming to a head where it's like, yeah, we—it's the most extreme version of people's of people's ideology. So, what does that look like? It's going to look like a Donald Trump, okay? And on the flip side, it's going to look like the toppling of what used to be a very heavy hitter in Hollywood. He's been dethroned. So you're going to see these extreme examples on either side because that's just the world that we live in right now. You know, and also, once again, we, we come to the point that people keep saying, why is this coming out now? One, as, as Claire said, times have changed. Times have really changed. Number two is simply the fact that that, that uh, Harvey Weinstein is nowhere near the powerful guy he was 10, 20 years ago. I mean, you can argue he at one time he was the third most powerful man in Hollywood. He literally could break, make, and destroy careers. Now he's the maybe 134th person, most powerful person in Hollywood. Weinstein Company has not been doing well. Uh, they've been having a lot of flops. They even had some films they could they didn't even release. His power has absolutely diminished. Now he's vulnerable. I'm sorry that it took so long for that to happen. That usually what happens in cases like this, when the, the, a person loses in power, it, look, look at NBC. NBC buried this story. They did everything they could to bury this story. I just read an article in Huffington Post about what happened when Roland Farrell had all this information. NBC wouldn't publish it. Now NBC is now trying to cover their ass, saying that, well, it wasn't ready yet and all this kind of stuff. Um, and also Amazon Studios have now canceled two series they were going to do with Weinstein Company. It's over. Well, listen, we've already gone past the time. <laughs> Weinstein was going to was going to bring that out. I just want to clarify for Claire. It's like, I don't want to come off like I'm a heartless person. I don't want. I'm not uh, a, a absolutist. Nothing is absolute. I'm just being very discerning with what I'm hearing from people. The people that were raped, uh, the people that were molested, that were that were treated treated improperly. I think that should be. We should take note of that. I'm not. I'm not like some heartless person. I'm, but I'm also very conscious of people that. Go in full with full knowledge, and then are trying to claim something different. That's what I, I don't want to hear those from those people. That's my. Yes, and I go back and saying that I, you have no idea what these women knew at the time. I I, I know that. I'm just telling you. That I'm just. I'm, I think they're being pretty clear. Circular I'm saying. Now. I'm saying there's there is there are a number of people. I'm I'm dividing them up. There are going to be people that are legitimate victims, and some who are not are not really legitimate. We saw that with Cosby. When some of these people started talking. 
And when they were scrutinized, oh wait a minute, you're not really you 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 know you you you're not who you who you you you're, you're saying you are. You're not really an innocent victim. When the smoke clears, it's not what you what you're really saying. That's what I'm getting at. Is that there's, just for sheer numbers, there's going to be some people when you start to hear the stories like, oh, you're not really a victim. And there's other ones like, oh, that's horrible. Th- that person was treated treated like she was raped. That's a whole different situation. That's what I'm getting at. And it, it becomes murky when you have people who, like the Meryl Streets and, and, and all these people, that one minute everything's all good, but then they have to, they're going to have to like turn things around all of a sudden. Now your story changes because you can no longer get anything out of it. There's a lot of people that will excuse aberrant behavior to get what they want. That's what I don't that, – that's the part that I, I have a problem with. I don't want people excusing bad behavior to get what they want. Some people compromise. I don't like people that compromise when it comes to uh, – if if, there's no compromise with a rapist. There's no compromise with somebody who is a child molester. But some of these people, they that compromise. They overlooked it. Those people, those people that they're not getting, they're not getting props from me. That's what I'm saying. I don't know if that can make it any clearer than that. Well, anyway, I stick with what I said. That's it. I have okay. no reason to second guess, second guess any of these women's uh, motives or their stories or anything like that. Uh, I don't. All right. On that note, as always, we always get into these festive things. God, God forbid we would have heard what Uncanny would have said. That would have been interesting. Yeah. Um, we'll be back on Wednesday. I think the Uncanny will actually be with us on Wednesday because of his rescheduling. Claire, we always appreciate your support, your passion. You know this anyway. Um, we'll, be, we'll do this again. Uh, we'll see more folks crumbling. That should be interesting. Uh, George Clooney, he came in. He, he seemed to be a good guy. Now we're hearing he's not such a good guy. Ugh. <laughs> the truth, <laughs> you know, he goes to Darfur. He goes to Darfur one day. Doesn't stop him from groping some woman another day. And by the way, People, Woody Allen has now made a statement. Oh yeah, he's now he's becoming a person that we. He's like the honorable guy now. <laughs> I kid you not. That's why I can't well, believe. Well, kind of. He kind of shaded his response. It's kind oh, of. Oh come on. If I, I wouldn't say crap. Now I'd be like, say I was gonna curse. You shouldn't. Say I would have just kept Woody quiet, Allen, but he's quiet. Yeah, but he he he's Come kind on. of kind of hinted that well we don't know all the facts kind of uh, statement. Okay. <laughs> oh wow, that's what he said. Oh, it's See, terrible, it's sad, seeing, but you really know we we don't defenders. know all the facts yet. I love seeing his 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 uh, proponents and defenders like like Lindsay Lohan, oh. Lindsay Lohan like everyone needs to. Stop, okay? She wants a gig. I feel so bad for him. Oh, my God. What, Lizzie Lohan defended him? Really? Yes. That's my point. What the hell? I mean, come on. on. She's a washed-up drunk has-been. What the hell? She needs something. (laughs) She needs something. That's my point. What do you really think, Sergio? What do you really think of Lindsay Lohan? But it's not just her. I just told you. Yeah, right. It's not just her. Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone. Well, Oliver too. Stone has not been accused, but that's not a surprise anyway. But listen, well, Oliver Stone right has been has someone, been accused of uh, for of groping young, a woman. For someone as young and old, I got to put it because her mama looks younger than her, literally. 
uh, as someone, and she's a, she's a local girl, mind you, from Matt, from uh, Massapequa, Long Island. Uh, Lindsay Lohan, 30, 31 years old, already washed up, drugged out. She wants a gig. Well, she he's not that bad. Okay, now you're the right age. You were that young, naive girl, even from from a child actress. Some people accepted that behavior because that's the get down. Now she's coming out and saying. Oh, get off of Har- get off of Harvey, get off of Harvey. Now, why would she say that? Why is she a supporter? Nah, you're a young woman in Hollywood. You should be with your with your fist raised. Somehow, you're willing to 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 over overlook the BS. Why? I gotta look at these people. That's my problem. She's one of the people that I saw. Like, wait a minute, why are you at thirty? This is cool already. Nah, I don't trust you. You ain't a victim. You you are prepared for the get down, because you want to get in. Those are the people I'm concerned with. It gets well, it I gets understand. confusing. I understand. There's a lot of like I said, a lot of opportunists here. A lot Thank of you. opportunists who have no that's problem selling their soul. Well, that's, hey, Ray Ray, her career is right saying. now. Where her career is right now, Harvey Weinstein may be the only person willing to hire her for anything. Well. Well, that's my point. Let me let's discern between the victims and the opportunists, because there's a feeding frenzy for this. That's my point. That's all I'm saying. Some people have no problems making concessions to get what they want. I don't like those people. I believe people. If you're into hard work and and suffering or whatever, that's a whole different situation. But if you're gonna like make some moves. Some people have no problems, like, you know, and they chalk it up. Don't come back later crying crying Argentina. That's all I'm saying. All right, enough. Enough of Weinstein. Weinstein's got a private jet. He's going to be all right. He's he's a white male with money. We are not. (laughs) He's going to be fine. (laughs) We are not those things. We are not white. We we don't have the money. Exactly. No, that is true. That, that's what's the deal They get away with this And like you said he's, They're already working on a rehabilitation campaign For that guy to come back They're going to try No, no, no He, they can try. he's, he's not going to back. Europe He's going to Europe He's going to work on his, uh, his rehab You know, his sex addiction He's going to try to fix himself He's going to come he back And he can. beg he's, for he's forgiveness in the academy. No, Nobody is going to trust it no, Nobody will go be crazy enough to do any kind of business with him. First of all, if you if you try to make a film with him, there'll be so many protests and outrage and everything. They'll be forced to drop him. You know what? I would say that I can't call that anymore because your president has said so many things that listen. When Har- when Howard Dean, tw- twelve years Howard Dean, Doctor Howard Dean from Vermont. Okay, this guy. Screamed and, and 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 just just had a moment where he just screamed, and the public looked at it. Oh wait a minute, we can't we can't put this guy in, in president. We went from somebody who had a moment of being of, of just a moment of 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 adulation or whatever you want to call it, and now we go we go from that to now you can you can grab P. You can say that a president. Uh, you can say that a, that a, a senator who who was a POW. He's not really a real hero. You you can say uh, I want Negroes to kneel for the NFL after the NFL. I mean, you could do you could say anything now. 
there's no guarantee that this guy can't come back based in this universe. This is the ultimate universe, like in a Marvel comics, where everything is backwards. Trust me on that. We'll see. I still think he's finished. You don't? I I don't think so. I think he's finished. Nothing's guaranteed. Nothing's guaranteed. I'm not so. I'm not. I'm not so. I'm not so keen on that. I would normally. I, can't think, I, would I say, can't think of any. I can't think of any studio, any network, any producer, anybody who will want to do business with Harvey Weinstein. And For the Robert Downey Jr. I can't and see. Robert Di- and Robert Downey Jr. at one point was uninsurable. Now he's the no, king but, of Hollywood. You, no, but no, but here's the thing. What say? What say? Robert Downey Jr. was that. He was literally, even at his worst shape, he was still considered one of the nicest guys in the business. Listen, People stood up for him because he was really one of the nicest guys. Even at his lowest, he was a nice guy. Harvey Weinstein was never a nice guy. He was a son of a bitch. Claire knows this intimately, that white males get second and third and fourth chances. They just do. And the fact that this guy said, okay, guys, and TMZ, okay, guys, you know, I see that you have to be at his house, but I got to go away. He goes to his private jet. I'm going to get help. I need help. We, we listen to, we feel, we're, we're, we are trained and conditioned in this culture to give white males and, by, and tangentially white females chances. If you are a person of color, you don't get that opportunity. You don't. I hear what you're saying, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not that confident. I'm like half confident. <laughs> well, you know I, mean? I have to leave it here. I have to uh, let us go. Yeah, we, we um, do. Okay. It's been, it's been real. Right. Next week, there'll be something else. <laughs> we didn't talk about Wonder Woman, the Professor Marsden and the Wonder Woman story. That's got its own thing. Black female lesbian director Angela Robinson. That's a hot topic. We're going to have to re, re uh Revisit that next week. Claire, That's you know right, the I director feel. of Herbie Reloaded. That's well. From there to this, yeah. from there to this, you never know. Uh, okay, it's been real. Uh, let's go. Let's go out with uh, a high note. This is. We know this is not that high. <laughs> this is body count. This is why we ride. Thank you so much. Next week. People always want to know the reason for what they consider senseless violence in the hood. I'ma break it down for you. This is why we ride. And this is why we ride. And this is why we ride. I gotta say this clear, I gotta say this loud I should've been 
drama Big drama Next thing you know, somebody's dead I don't think you can understand If you've never been in the streets And held your best friend in your arms Your child in your arms 